I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I, of course, am the always effervescent Tom the Fizz Bionic. Okay. The Fizz is the official middle name Yeah. for those keeping score at home. Happy Days had the Fonz. Yeah. Future Quake's got Great. the Fizz. The Fizz. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you this week. I feel like it's been a while since we've been with you. Um I was, as, as we say in uh, church language last week, I was providentially hindered. Uh, actually, even more than that, I was Mrs. Future hindered. I yeah, was, I was uh, like trying to figure out what that means exactly. Yeah, usually it, it's what people used to say in church when I was growing up when it meant they were sick and didn't make it to church or something else happened they didn't make it there. And the, in fact, when the old men would go walk up in front of the church to pray over the offering, you know, mm-hmm. at the offertory, they'd say, please bless those who were providentially hindered and couldn't be here this week, you know. So, Strange. Uh, yeah, it's just one of them things. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, when you email, let us know if that is a foreign or not to you, a phrase. But anyway, uh, last week, um, uh, Mrs. Future is a little fond of the beach when she can go and relax and read. You were doing your so thing. So we went there, and Pyro went with us. And, uh, Did you go down to uh, Hoffman International Airport there by chance? No, didn't do that. Didn't, didn't happen to do that. Is that a rendition? Uh, no, that's, that's a, a, a very famous place for transporting drugs. Oh, well, I wouldn't tell you on the show if that's where we went. But uh, uh, I, I do sort of look like Malibu. What's in your trunk? <laughs> I, I do look like Malibu future a little bit. You know, I've got a little sun So anyway, it's good to be back. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the original show last week. It was one we had recorded earlier. It was in January, just for a circumstance like this, so our listeners get... New material every week, and we don't let them down mm-hmm. on that. We hope that was all right. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly miss being here with everybody. Had a bunch of stories accumulate in my mm-hmm. in-basket. I'm sure yours did too, Tom. Yeah, it was a weird It was a weird thing, man. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you been doing okay since I've seen you over many, many days since I saw you? I haven't been lit on fire, and I haven't been eaten by a yeah. bear, so I guess. That's the definition of yeah. you know, being I've okay. i got clothes and food, so mm-hmm. you know, there you go. And you said to yourself, self, I am rich and have need of nothing. <laughs> hey, uh, before I forget, let me uh, just say a thank you to some of our friends out there like we've been doing uh, uh, through most of this year. I want to thank Ken in Australia and Anthony in Rhode Island for ordering our two book sets. Oh, awesome. Uh, it's, it's been over the last few weeks uh, since, I believe, the 10th that we've uh, uh, announced this. But uh, I want to thank them for... Uh, Getting the materials uh, that they did. Uh, it, it has uh, Andrew Hoffman's book, um, The New World Order and Eugenics Wars, and uh, Judge Napolitano's uh, book, uh, Lies the Government Told Us. And uh, they're still available. And uh, just go to the front of futurequake.com. Uh, proceeds helps pay some of our expenses uh, for things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's right across, and there's a little donate button there. Some people have been using the donate button for our show. Uh, I want to thank James, uh, also Louise. Uh, who, who made a couple of donations. Uh, I want to thank um, Kyle, uh, also uh, John, uh, Juan, and Lydia. 
We've made some donations, and those funds Sweet. have gone for some books that I've gotten that we'll be talking about on some future shows mm-hmm. and on some materials I'm preparing, writing on, mm-hmm. that um, I'm working feverishly on. In fact, that's what I did when I was gone last week is I took mm-hmm. a stack of books with me mm-hmm. that were very future Quakish materials on a project I'm working on somewhat for the conference that you and I are going to be speaking at. Indeed, sir. Uh, the uh, Future Congress Conference mm-hmm. uh, coming up at, I believe, is it futurecongress.com? Uh yes. Okay. Correct. If you if you have if you can't remember that, just go to RaidersNewsUpdate.com. It's at the front. Click on it. Uh, I think there's 84 hours of presentations given. I know. It's uh, gonna be tough. I've only got over two. three days. Yeah. Well, three I guess because they're both 90 minutes. Okay. Uh yeah, me too. And um, you know, for 95 bucks, that's that's a lot of uh. Crazy Christian talk for ninety five yeah, bucks. Yeah, it's pretty much like the Shangri La of yeah. Of you're getting, I mean, heavy insanity. I want to see Gary Stearman. He's a guy I've always wanted to meet from Prophecy in the News. Uh-huh. Uh He was talking about some of our weirder stuff before we ever came along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chuck Missler will be there. Yeah. And a whole bunch of folks. Tom Horn will be speaking. Gilberts will be there. Mm-hmm. You and I, Andrew Hoffman, will be Andrew speaking. Hoffman. Chris White will be speaking be there. there. Brother Chris Putnam, too. Chris Putnam, yeah. yeah. Logos Apologia. Yeah, can't Apologia. wait. They've been sort of featuring that. him uh, on their website. Uh, on the conference website, they've had a little expose mm-hmm. thing on him mm-hmm. and his work. Um, go there. You can actually see little summaries of all our talks. I'm going to be doing one that is a more complete discussion of what I've been nibbling on earlier this year and keep mm-hmm. getting interrupted on mm-hmm. that our, our listeners really have been liking what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. About something going on in our evangelical leaders is pretty disturbing, mm-hmm. and it'll probably get me thrown out of the joint. Sweet. So I could use some people protecting. I, I, I've been asking if they'll. I guess I'm going to have to ride with Chris White up there if that's the case. Well, you just may need a return ride. <laughs> the yeah. future mobile may be uh, empty or overturned in I'm flames. I'm riding but my thumb to Nashville. Yes. I'm, yes. I'm going to watch that I'm movie Walking my Tall to Nashville. <laughs> and learn everything he did because he used to put tape on the hood to see if somebody had. You yeah. know, stuck a bomb underneath yeah. it or something. Somehow I don't see you, like, like walking around with a two-by-four, though. No, we'll see. Pyro, unleash him on some folk. But, no, seriously, uh, it's going to be pretty intense. And I, I've asked some people if, they'll, if they would stand up behind me during my talk mm-hmm. with some sunglasses and their arms folded, sort of like the guards behind Louis Farrakhan and his Nation of Islam talk where they sort of intimidate because yeah. it's, it's going to be intense. And uh, my talks are early. The first... Uh, 3.30 that Friday, July 22nd, mm-hmm. it's the first kickoff session. There's multiple sessions at that time. A lot of them, there's so many good talks, you won't be able to hit all of them because they have to put them three or four at a time. Yeah. Um, and then I'll be doing something early Saturday, and then you're, you sort of take off. Your, or your talks are both Saturday, right? Oh, I can't, I can't remember. I believe so. I just saw the schedule. But, I mean, it will just be a, a bacchanalia of prophecy. <laughs> discussions in there so i recommend everybody check that out 95 bucks hard to beat branson yeah. if you get bored with us you can go see yakov smirnoff or uh, oh, andy yeah, williams right. yeah, he's, they both have shows down yeah there. Yep. so um you know if you and i would get that music act together that i've been telling you about mm-hmm. we could do our thing at branson they just keep bringing people yeah, and we could have our future quake <laughs> talk so anyway keep that in mind yeah. uh yeah we're, we're just at that point right now mm-hmm. uh, any other announcements you have oh you know just uh no. Sleep Nothing. paralysis. If you have any kind of uh, testimonies of sleep paralysis incidents, oh, you're still yes, looking for them, right? Yep. Still uh, go to the 
Go to sleepsurvey.org and take the survey that we're doing. That would be the best way for people to contribute. Yeah. Because then it will be in a usable database for yep. you to figure some stuff out. Yeah. That'd be cool. Sleepsurvey.org? Yep. .org. Okay. Well, I think that's it on the announcement, and we're ready for some stories. Sweet. Would you like to jump in? Oh, uh, I would actually prefer it if you gave us something. Okay. Give us something heavy. So you, you elect defense... You elect for me um, to receive. Yeah. You get to pick which side of the field then. Yep. Okay. Exactly. You, well, you, you will defer on the coin toss. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I have two little uh, brief stories that are related. Uh, okay. The short. Um, I'm going to do something a little special with it. Uh, first thing I want to mention, and both of these are something that a few of our listeners maybe have heard if they're pretty savvy, keeping track of stuff. So sorry if it's a little boring, but it's something all our Futurians need to be aware of uh, to mark it down for future reference. So mm-hmm. the Washington Post uh, recently listed that the UAE, uh, the prince there, hires Blackwater founder to set up foreign force. The crown prince of Abu Dhabi has hired the founder of the private security firm Blackwater Worldwide to set up an 800-member battalion of foreign troops for the United Arab Emirates, the New York Times reported Sunday. That's uplifting. Yeah. The Times said it obtained documents that show that the unit being formed by Eric Prince's new company, Reflex Responses, with $520 million from the UAE, would be used to thwart internal revolt, conduct special operations, and defend oil pipelines and skyscrapers from attacks. Great. So they're like their own Department of Homeland Security against civilian yeah, uprisings. Yeah, civilians uh, wanting... Freedom. Starve. Yeah. yeah. People wanting freedom and mm-hmm. lack of totalitarianism. The newspaper said the UAE's decision to hire the contingent of foreign troops was taken before a wave of popular unrest spread across the Arab world in recent months, including to neighboring Bahrain and Oman. The UAE has not experienced any serious unrest. Most of its population is made up of foreign workers. And it's one of those countries, those little island mega rich nations, which they're just building as fast as they can build stuff. And mm-hmm. almost all the people who live there, except a few rich emirs, are foreign people from Pakistan and places mm-hmm. that got, live got in these squalor yeah. camps. Oh, yeah, those and guys. Just work. Yeah, those are, yeah, that's horrible just, And that's, that's They're serfs, basically, and mm-hmm. that's what they're, the, the way they live there. Uh, Blackwater, uh, which once had lucrative contracts to protect U.S. officials in Iraq, became notorious in the region in 2007 after its guards opened fire in Baghdad traffic killing at least 14 people in what the Iraqi government called a massacre. One former Blackwater guard pleaded guilty to manslaughter charges in those killings, and a U.S. court reinstated charges against five others last month. Prince has since sold the company, which changed its name to XE Services. It denies wrongdoing. The Times said the UAE, a close ally of the United States, had some support in Washington for Prince's new project, although it was not clear whether it had official U.S. approval. The two UAE government officials contacted by Reuters declined to comment on the Times report, and the U.S. Embassy and the UAE also did not comment. Prince could not be reached for comment. The Times quoted a U.S. official who's aware of the program, saying, the Gulf countries, and the UAE in particular, don't have a lot of military experience. It would make sense if they looked outside their borders for help. State Department spokesman Mark Toner told the Times that the department was investigating whether the project broke any U.S. laws. U.S. law requires a license for American citizens to train foreign troops. Hmm. Amazing they'd want to know about that kind of thing. 
Toner also pointed out that Blackwater had paid $42 million in fines last year for training foreign forces in Jordan without a license, the Times said. According to, former, yeah, according to former employees of the program and U.S. officials cited by the Times, the troops were brought to a training camp in the UAE from Colombia, South Africa, and other countries starting in the summer of 2010. They were being trained by retired U.S. military personnel and former members of German and British Special Operation Units and the French Foreign Legion, the Times said. Prince has mm-hmm. insisted that the force hire no Muslims because they could not be counted on to kill fellow Muslims, the paper said. Great. Um, just a couple of comments on this. Uh, if you remember Eric Prince, I don't know if people have read much in his saga lately because he got in all this trouble about he jumped, indicted he like totally in federal jumped court. Ship and stuff, didn't he? Well, he was indicted. He and his company in federal court for running a child prostitution ring for their workers uh-huh. over in Iraq and about wantonly killing civilians over there. And he, they said that he um, basically he told everybody he wanted to run like another crusade, uh-huh. like a Christian thing. And they all use crusader names. Uh, Knights Templar names, you know, on their code things. And mm-hmm. he wanted to lay all the Hajis out and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, which is interesting, um, because his company, you know, he kept making shadow companies to not be able to track him. But one of them they changed the name for PR purposes was XE. Mm-hmm. Z. And I looked at their logo and it's this sort of script kind of X with a small E. Mm-hmm. And I had a hunch and I started looking up some history. And I went and looked up what at least one of the um, ancient Roman historians said was what Constantine put on his shields. Whoa. And I looked at him, certainly was that little script X. Call it like a chi kind of symbol. But that's the same symbol that they put, you know, where it said the Christian, the first Christian military, uh, you know, to fight for the name of Christ and kill others. And it... Remember, he saw this vision and said, by this sign, conquer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very interesting, the connection to the first seal, when you see the guy on the white horse being released. And he says he went forth conquering and to conquer. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at the time, when he when he sold, he the last we had heard from him was that he had sold all his companies, and he wanted to become a school teacher. So, you know, after he had been, you know, killing all these people and a huge body count of folk, he just wanted to go retire away to a class and do this humanitarian teaching. Yeah. But evidently, the ability to hire mercenaries from South America well, he is and teaching. other places. He's just teaching people yeah. how to kill other people. I wonder if they'll sing to serve with love with him after that. If they'll, yeah. you know, yeah. Instead of taking him from crayons to perfume, you've taken me from Uzis to bazookas. <laughs> Why exactly. Can I nuke you in return? So anyway, that's that's our dear friend. Uh, Eric Peretz, who um, runs a major fund uh, that keeps people like Focus on the Family and Family Research Council funded. Hmm. Uh, and probably, hopefully, some of this money maybe can percolate from doing some of these uprisings against people, maybe help some of our Christian ministries out, hmm. you know, as, as he'd hoped to do. Uh, the related story on this also relates to Blackwater. And I'm going to do something a little unique here because it, it has a name we haven't heard from in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this story, uh, it's from Wired.com, but it's been reported other places. Blackwater's new ethics chief it has been hired, uh, it's actually a high-level position in the company, is John Ashcroft. Mm. John Ashcroft, was he attorney general, I think, under Bush? Dulcet tones. He, he's known as a sort of an ultimate Christian fighter. Uh, 
No, he's a he's a Christian uh, politician, very much. I mean, they always said he was like like you had mandatory Bible studies when you went. Oh. Then you worked for him. You had to go to a Bible study kind of thing. He was really strong evangelical thing in his position. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore, obviously, being a good Christian, he supported the Patriot Act, supported uh, you know the war on terror and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway. He's known for just being sort of like an extreme Christian type person. Sounds like something somebody you would meet in like a reality show, extreme Christian. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but really a key figure in uh, getting the Patriot Act and things like that going, you know. Mm. Uh, but the other thing he was known for in his Christian ministry uh, slash being, I think he was a senator, you know, and then this other stuff, was he liked to write Christian songs. And I remember one that he sang, actually uh, from the podium, uh, and he was doing some conference or something he was doing that he had just written called uh, "Let the Eagle Soar." So I thought it would just add a little ambiance to our story here about him. So while you were re- about his yeah. joining to Blackwater, that we might play uh, "Let the Eagle Soar" in the background, and sort of our, let our listeners enjoy that while they sort of think a little bit about the war on terror and. In Guantanamo Bay and some of the things that he had approved, and uh, this uh, intended uh, patriotic Christian song. And so we're going to kick this off here, and then I'm going to read the story. So here is uh, John Ashcroft and the song that he wrote and sang called Let the Eagle Soar. This eagle's place is in the sky. Okay. It says uh, that the consortium in charge of restructuring... I see. The world's most infamous private security firm just added a new chief in charge of keeping the company on the straight and narrow. Yes, John Ashcroft, the former U.S. Attorney General, is now an independent director of XC Services, formerly known as Blackwater. Ashcroft will head XC's, or C, I think how it's pronounced, a new subcommittee on governance. Its backers announced early Wednesday in a statement. The subcommittee is designed to maximize governance, compliance, and accountability, and promote the highest degrees of ethics and professionalism within the private security industry. In other words, no more shooting civilians in Iraq and Afghanistan. No more signing for weapons its guards aren't authorized to carry in war zones. No more impersonations of cartoon characters to acquire said weaponry. And no more uh, roids or steroids and coke on the job. Uh, Ashcroft's arrival at XE is yet another clear signal it's not giving up the quest for lucrative government security contracts now that it's no longer owned by founder Eric Prince, even as it emphasizes the side of its business that trains law enforcement officers. In September, it won part of a $10 billion State Department contract to protect diplomats, starting with U.S. consulate in Jerusalem. Ashcroft, a U.S. Senator before becoming Attorney General in the Bush Administration, is a very well-known quantity to the federal officials that XE will pitch. Even if he's not lobbying for Blackwater, Ashcroft's addition on the board is meant to inspire confidence in government officials of its newfound rectitude. To some, Ashcroft will be forever known as the face of Bush-era counterterrorism, the official who vigorously defended the Patriot Act's sweeping surveillance powers told civil libertarians that their dissents only aid terrorists. 
and covered up the spirit of justice's uh, boobs or uh, what mistakes they made. At the same time, covering something up over there. What's when Ashcroft was critically ill in 2005, he resisted a White House mission uh, to his hospital bed, entreating him to reauthorize warrantless surveillance in defiance of the acting attorney general. I think that's when when Wu, John Wu, tried to get him to do it. Mm-hmm. This is a company. Oh, like he was in he was in bed or something. They right? try to like yeah. try to get Force's hand to sign it. Uh, this is a company with a strong history of service to its country and a reputation of best-in-class offerings to its public and private customers, Ashcroft said in a statement. I look forward to helping USTC enhance its governance and oversight capabilities as the company moves forward, referring to U.S. Training Center, another of Blackwater's many names. Like scores of other security, uh, senior security officials, Ashcroft has spent his post-government career running a Washington consulting firm. XZ is still sorting out its leadership and searching for a permanent CEO. For now, the investor team that brought the, bought the company in December assembled and empowered a board of directors to run the shop, along with the existing management. That board includes former National Security Agency Director Bobby Ray Inman. Its chairman is Clear Channel co-founder Red McCombs. I don't know if you knew Clear Channel connected to Mm-hmm. To Blackwater. I I, mean, I learned so much stuff just listening to you. Like it's it. Well, I mean, the short version is is what all those old, the old Vietnam vets and stuff say when they're sitting out on the porch. Like all those rich people run everything. Yeah. And we're the line animals that got lucky who didn't get shot. Yeah. And they're right. all they're all sick sickos. You know. Well, what's different to you and me is that you actually remember that stuff and then I forget it. Yeah. Well, no worries. You can quote it. Uh, Ash, uh, Ashcroft and his new subcommittee will report to the board. Uh, with the formation of the subcommittee and with Ashcroft as its chair, the firm says in the statement, USTC aims to set the bar for industry standards against which all other companies will be measured. So hopefully all other companies will be measured by a standard of black water uh, and their benefits to humanity. Yeah. Uh, any last comments that you have to this story? So many remarks, but nothing substantive. Thank you, John Ashcroft, for that very inspirational moment. We hope our futurians enjoyed that. Letting that eagle soar. Mm. Which you'll be doing from I'm, the helm of black water. I'm moved deep down inside me. As they take over more and more armies around the world, stopping their local citizenry. Okay, do you have a story for us after that special moment? I have so many moment? stories, I don't even know where to start. Do you want to hear? Oh, gosh, where to start? I'm just going to pick one. Okay. TSA backscatter radiation safety tests were rigged. Dun, 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 dun. Tell, tell me more. Uh, this is from Natural News. C.A. Baracus. Yeah. Although um, although this has showed up in half a dozen other places. Uh, it, it can now be revealed by Natural News that the TSA faked its safety data on its X-ray airport scanners in order to deceive the public about the safety of such devices. As evidenced by recent events in Washington, we now live in an age where the federal government simply fakes whatever documents, news, or evidence it wants people to believe, then releases that information as if it were fact. This is the modus operandi of the Department of Homeland Security, which must fabricate false flag terror uh, to keep itself in business, and now the TSA division has taken the fabrication of false evidence to a whole new level with its faked body scanners. Um, 
The evidence of the TSA's fakery is now obvious thanks to the revelations of a letter signed by five professors of the University of California, San Francisco, and Arizona State University. You can view the full text of the letter. Uh, it gives the web address uh, www.propublica.org backslash documents. The letter reveals, to this day, there has been no credible scientific, e scientific testing of the TSA's naked body scanners. The claimed safety of the technology by the TSA is based on rigged tests. The testing that did take place was done in a, on a custom combination of spare parts rigged by the manufacturer of the machines uh, and didn't even use the actual machines installed in the airports. Uh. <laughs> You, Mike, you've had some quite a bit of background in, in you know, doing experimental testing. Right. What if you showed up somewhere to run a test on something and make sure it was sound? And they said, "Oh, like I don't know. Let's let's pick a let's pick a let's mm -hmm. pick a like a Chevy. You know. So you showed mm -hmm. up and you're going to test a Chevy. This new Chevy. And they mm -hmm. said, "Well, you can't test the Chevy over there, but here here's a bucket of parts. You know, three quarters mm -hmm. of the engine is in this plastic yeah. bag." Well, you know, this is a public health issue. This is all tested about something on whether it could actually harm the public. Mm -hmm. uh, I come from the area of the fire protection industry, particularly mm -hmm. like the high-tech fire protection. Yeah. They have to have an independent lab, uh, and normally it's underwriter's lab mm -hmm. that does the testing. Yeah, UL. They call, UL calls all the shots. They test it themselves. They define the criteria, the environment. Um, everything's tightly controlled because their integrity is on the line. And people's health and safety are at stake. Apparently, they're not that concerned about their integrity. And this is something. Well, you're not talking about UL. You're talking about these I'm people. I'm talking about whoever, yeah, whoever did it. Like, like, check this out. I'll, I'll skip a skip a paragraph yeah. here. Uh, well, no, maybe I won't because this this other one is very yeah. interesting. None of the rapid scan tests have been made available to or subjected to peer review. They are quite literally secret tests using secret techniques engineered by secret researchers. We, the people, apparently have no right to see the data, nor the methodology, nor even the names of the researchers who supposedly carried out these safety tests. The final testing report produced from this fabricated testing scenario uh, have been so heavily redacted that there is no way to repeat any of these measurements, say the professors. In other words, the testing violates the very first tenet of scientific experimentation, which is that all experiments must be repeatable in order to be verified as accurate. Uh, as the professor stated in this letter, the document is heavily redacted with red stamps over, the, over words and figures. In every case, the electric current used, but which correlates one-to-one -one with x-ray dose, has been specifically redacted. <laughs> Thus, there's now, no... Now, that crazy guy, Alex Jones, who was saying that this stuff could be a threat to the public, uh -huh. and they all said he was just a nutty conspiracy yeah. theorist. Yeah. Thus, there is no way to repeat any of these measurements... While the report purports to represent the results of objective testing, in fact, the JHAPL personnel, who are unnamed anywhere in the document, either as experimenters or as authors, were not provided with a machine by RapiScan. Instead, they were invited to the manufacturing site to observe a mock-up of components uh, that were said to be similar to those that are part of the RapiScan system. The tests were performed by the manufacturer using the manufacturer's questionable test procedures. There's something that it's, it's, you know, a large part of the entire public is going to be exposed to this. Mm-hmm. 
the it would be it would be pretty good to have actually the the real system that you install to yeah. test it. Yeah, it's like it's nuts. Um, anyway, skipping on the, the article's longish. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, they go on some bullet points here. Mm-hmm. The dose rates of X-rays being emitted by the rapid scan machines are actually quite high, comparable to that of CT scans, say the professors. And that's extremely high. Yes. Uh, the dose duration is significantly lower than the CT scan, but the dose intensity is much higher than what you might think. And as anyone who knows a bit about physics and biology will tell you, the real danger from radiation is a high-intensity, short-duration exposure. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what the TSA backscatter mm-hmm. machines produce. The radiation detection device used by rapid scan to measure the output of the machines an ion chamber is incapable of accurately measuring the high intensity burst of radiation produced by the TSA's naked body scanner say the professors uh, at the same time the radiation field measurement device used by the TSA a fluke 451 instrument is incapable of measuring the high dose rates emitted by the backscatter machines the measurement devices Devices, in effect, max out and cannot measure the full intensity of the exposure. Thus, the TSA's claim of low radiation is actually fraudulent. By the way, the device mentioned by the TSA really is an F451. Does that ring a bell in terms of science fiction novels? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Took me a second, but yeah. Yeah. Um, got any books to burn? Mm-hmm. The amount of electrical current applied to the X-ray tubes has been redacted by the TSA, uh, who are working with John Hopkins. Uh, this makes it impossible for third-party scientists to actu- accurately calculate the actual radiation exposure, and it hits at yet more evidence of a total TSA cover-up, uh, as explained <coughs> excuse me, by the professors again in their letter. The X-ray dose is proportional to the current through the x-ray tube, not having access to the current used in the JHU test or in the field application of the scanner means that the measurement at JHU uh, are irrelevant to the dose at the airport. There is also no data on the pixel size and overscanning ratio, which also bear directly on the dose delivered to subjects. The statements in the HHS letter uh, that the influence is not a relevant quantity ignores fundamental physics. Um, yeah it just it keeps going so incomplete test setup insufficient instruments Mm -hmm. on and on yeah in other words we got to get a we got to get a check off on this cobble together something so we can check off on our list that something was done let's move on there's some other other highlights here Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I encourage everybody to go to to natural news and and look this up you'll be giving me that link right that I can put Uh, on the website I'll give you some highlights here Mm -hmm. Um, uh, 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 John Sadat a professor uh, emeritus in biochemistry and biophysicist uh, at UCSF and the primary author of the letter says the best guess of the dose is much, much, much higher than certainly what the public thinks. Um, Peter Rez, the physics professor from Arizona State mentioned earlier, says that the high-quality image described by the TSA could not possibly be produced with, low, with the low levels of radiation being claimed by the TSA. Uh, Rez estimates the actual radiation exposure is 45 times higher than what we're being told. 
Um, the TSA, interestingly, the TSA machines are capable of firing even higher levels of radiation into a region of interest. Um, you know, this would be something that our listeners could get this link from our from our website, you know, that you provide to this, mm-hmm. and actually forward that to their congressperson and say, you're responsible for the safety and well-being of your people here mm-hmm. in your district. Um, will you address this? And, uh, you know, make sure that, that this is complying with the safety and well-being mm-hmm. of the people of your district. And if they don't do it, then that's going to look very bad on a congressman. If yeah. they're made aware of this and don't take action. Yeah. It's, that's like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They, 45 times higher than what we're being told. I'm going to walk through with a, with a, with some bacon <laughs> next time. It, you know what it means. If they lie at something like this, which could have a pronounced effect on our health, what else are they not telling us the truth about? Oh. You know this is just the tip of the iceberg. Government's your friend, man. Come on. I know. I know. Any other points you want to make on that? Uh, no, we're, we're done. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's depressing enough. Yeah. Uh, but people should actually do something with this information, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, sure. Well, you know, to, uh, interestingly, um, Texas has, has basically criminalized it, criminalized uh, TSA agents touching you there's a bill there's a bill that they're set to pass here in a couple of days i guess it says if you you know molest little children and stuff like the tsa is often want to do then um right you know well you'll you'll be fined i think it's a like a like a class two misdemeanor which means you know a thousand dollars and i would hope that there'd be some kind of law enforcement official there watching it to be there to witness it yeah, well, the interesting part about that showdown, speaking just a little bit off topic, mm-hmm. but the interesting thing about that showdown is the last time I checked, the TSA says, no, uh, states don't have states' rights. TSA mm-hmm. trumps both state and federal laws. And the states have to decide, are they going to go along with that or not? Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens in, um, mm-hmm. you know, out there. Could get ugly. Yep. Well, I have Alamo. I have two little uh, short things. Uh, this one is from the Christian Broadcasting Network. You know, I'm the media source I've often quote yeah. from. Christian Broadcasting Network. Uh, uh, and this is something about our our esteemed Christian leadership in our country, our evangelical leadership. You know, mm-hmm. that are paid very large sums of money because of their great wisdom. Their insight, you know, what they hear from God on the direction of our country that mm. millions of Christians around the country, 100 million more, listen to for advice. Uh, Christian Broadcasting Network gives an exclusive details inside Donald Trump's prayer meeting with Christian pastors. What? Uh, the Brody file has learned that more than two dozen Christian pastors gathered together with Donald Trump in his New York office Thursday night, holding hands and praying during a remarkable two-and-a-half-hour meeting. I want to remind you that Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, mm-hmm. had already endorsed Donald Trump mm-hmm. as the one that he thought could be the kind of antidote we really I, need for the I, it seems to me needs like of I our always, country. I always, it, this, everybody's, all these pastors and stuff line up behind these politicians. It reminds me of watching sci-fi movies where they have different contingents of like different sort of priests and stuff that all... Get get together and it's like the house of Atreyu and the house of Aragon and they all yeah. have their different people and it really doesn't make much of a ma- much of a difference. 
Well, I just say you, you look at the wisdom of their recommendations, and from that, I think you get a little bit of a feeling of mm-hmm. the degree of their connectedness with God. Um, the prayer mm. session lasted about 20 minutes. The pastors pray that God would give Trump strength and keep his heart and mind open so that he can hear the message of God in the future. Now, this Donald Trump is the guy who's, how many times has he been married? 36. I don't know. I know at least, I know twice or more. I mean, I don't know who he's with right now. He's been with Marla Maple and with Ivana Trump. and Marla Maple, huh? Oh, is that her name? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's Marla's her first name. But anyway, uh, he's had a bunch of other ladies on his arm uh, between then. And has made his money in things like casinos, uh, these kind of things like that. And, of course, you know, our religious leaders can see how God, you know, has been blessing him and working through him with this. I'm surprised they, I wonder if they have, um, who, who's the guy in the wheelchair from, uh, um, Hustler magazine? Larry Flint. Larry Flint, you know. Maybe they feel the way about him too, because he's been very wealthy too. Maybe God's really blessed him as well too, you know. They well, might, they I mean, might endorse him as well. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, they also told him that he would have, to have strength in God to endure this evil, evil process, uh, referring to the 2012 election campaign. Reverend Paula White, a longtime friend of Trump, organized the meeting. Due to the private nature of the meeting, the names of the other pastors in the room will not be revealed at this time, which means people they're afraid should, the public will yeah, find out. People would dislike what they're actually yeah. doing behind closed doors. But Michael Cohen, uh, Trump's executive vice president and special counsel, tells the Brody file that the group was made up of some elite evangelical pastors, which that's what I like to think of our pastors as elites. Yeah. That's really what they're they came called to be. Down, the, uh, down through the stairwell and yeah, down and through with a machine gun. As well as some of their Black wives. Blackwater's got them on. You know. Sorry. Yeah, well, you're crazy. Cohen said the meeting began when Trump, uh, with Trump asking everyone in the room to introduce themselves. Then Trump took about 45 minutes talking about his church relationship with God and his Christian upbringing. He also talked about key domestic and international issues. He then opened up the meeting where pastors had a chance to ask questions. That portion lasted about an hour. You know, what's so nice is that we don't have to worry about guys like Trump and other politicians would ever exploit Christian pastors to do nothing but just seek no, their endorsement. only honorable. You know, only that they, would, they wouldn't find them gullible and mm-hmm. wouldn't find them, uh, you know, condescend to these kind of guys to get their ticket punch for Republican nomination. I know that the Democrats don't always seek this kind of guidance. It seems like it's mostly, now you know, there might be a Rick Warren or somebody like that for some of those guys on that side, but but mostly it's these kind of folks that they want that, that ticket punch, which was the same thing mm-hmm. um, um, George W. Bush did yep. when he had his big, we read about that, the, the letter that we had when we... Uh, reviewed the book about George Bush here on our show uh-huh. where he was given a recommendation that he better hurry up and have a conversion experience and have it quickly if he was going to win the election. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly he did. And he invited all of the evangelical leaders. And and funny or not, uh, uh, Dr. Stan Monteith was invited. Mm-hmm. And he said, he, said he, and, smells, smells yeah, like. he and one other guy didn't buy it. The yep. rest of the people just swooned right for it. And, in fact, uh, he talked a lot about his walk on the beach with... With uh, um, uh, enjoyed, Billy Graham. I enjoy tennis and badminton and long walks on the beach. <laughs> yeah. But he had this long walk on the beach, and it was changed his life with yeah. Billy Graham. And Billy Graham says he doesn't remember anything about it. But 
Anyway, so not that this we've been down this road before, but um, he said uh, among some of what the group of pastors told Trump that he would have to look to God to forgive people for their transgressions, especially when Trump's interest is only in helping America. Because mm. right, Trump's never had any other agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, He's never had anything yeah. else to go on in life. I like that thing where he was walking to his car and he told one of his wives, see that bum over there? Yeah. He's $250 million richer yeah. than I am. But he wasn't because he had taken a vow of uh, poverty. No, it was, cause, it was because he was actually negative. Yeah, yeah. $250 He had some really bad business deals. Yeah. Um, that one pastor said that God has clearly put the desire in Trump's heart to run for the presidency. So this person is saying that they know. It's like a prophecy. Yeah. That, that God so no, himself. No, 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 I know what's in Trump's which heart. Which we know now at the time we're doing this that he's bowed out of it. That that would mean that either God was not sovereign to make it happen or he's openly disobedient to God. Shut up, no, no, God changed his mind. That, 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 uh, God decided he really wanted somebody else. God for sure wanted him, but Trump is, is disobeying that, okay? Um, the pastors caution, you know, because they say this kind of stuff so flippantly and they never really think about the ramifications of making these dogmatic statements. Isn't that the best? That's like, you just start yeah. saying something so, wacky. So now that he's not running, what does that tell you about what you're saying God is, you know? Mm-hmm. The pastors caution Trump that the price tag, both economically and spiritually, of running for president is substantially more than any of the other people who will run for president. They told Trump that America needs to restore its brand of greatness and said the country is breeding. So our brand, I don't what, what's the American brand of greatness? Levi Strauss. Is that like bombs dropping from B-52s? Is that sort of how we define? I don't know. According to Paul Craig Roberts, China has more freedom than we do. That's you know, he's a co-founder of Reaganomics. Nobody in the church is going to believe that when you say that. Uh, the pastors caution Trump that he will need to take every negative thrown at him and turn it into a positive. So that is the testimony of the Christian Broadcast Network. Come uh, on, Donald. Turn that frown upside down. This was Christ, Christians talking about our elite pastors and what they had to say to Donald Trump. So while we're on a spiritual bent, since I know that was a short story, I made it long. It was half a page. Let me give you another little short one that's on a, a spiritual theme. Uh, some people have probably read about this, maybe seen it. I don't know if they read the whole thing. This is from The Guardian, uh, the uh, popular uh, British newspaper. Ahmadinejad allies charged with sorcery. Uh, close allies of Iran's mm-hmm. president, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, have been accused of using supernatural powers to further his policies amid an increasingly bitter power struggle between him and the country's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. Uh, what's funny, it's putting him against the Islamic extremist, um, Ahmadinejad. Several people said to be close to the president and his chief of staff, uh, Esfandjar Rahim Mashe, have been arrested in recent days and charged with being magicians and invoking jinns or spirits. You know what's wild is they, is like, for, for people in that culture, that is, it's like, of course, that's a chargeable offense. You know. Well, they recognize the spirit world exists, <clears throat> which mm-hmm. a lot of the Christian world we don't. You know, the Bible says, Revelation 18, about the kings of the earth, the great merchants of the earth, use their sorcery, mm-hmm. which is contact spirits, mm-hmm. by which to deceive the nations of the earth. So the Bible says that that's true, and that these politicians use it. 
they're admitting this from however they got that knowledge. They admit that reality. Mm-hmm. We live in denial over here of that kind of thing. Um, I dislike your reality and substitute my own. So, yeah. Um, it says Adonai, uh, uh, Ayende, excuse me, Ayende, an Iranian news website described one of the arresting men, Abbas Ghaffari, as a man with special skills in metaphysics and connections with unknown worlds. Whoa. It's a pretty far out kind of guy. You know, we get him on a I thought the same thing. Yeah. You have an interesting testimony. Yeah. The arrest came amid a growing rift between Ahmadinejad and Khamenei, which has prompted several MPs to call for the president to be impeached. On Sunday, Ahmadinejad returned to his office after an 11-day walkout in apparent protest over Khamenei's reinstatement of the intelligence minister, who the president has initially asked to resign. You know what's interesting is we see everything in the Muslim world as being in lockstep. Mm-hmm. Like they all work, and they all have like a, it's like a Borg mind yeah, meld. Yeah, they all yeah. walk just, you know, together, you know, mm-hmm. which we used to do the same thing about the communists. Mm-hmm. We used to think the communists were monolithic. Mm-hmm. They never had internal struggles. They never had any kind of things that would, would stymie themselves mm-hmm. because we were told that by people who made a lot of money putting fear in our hearts so they could sell lots of weapon yes, systems. Mm-hmm. Communists, Muslims, whatever. They, they they just show these guys are all together in the same diabolical plan, when in reality, they're like the rest mm-hmm. of us. They struggle and fight for their own ideologies. Um, Ahmadinejad's unprecedented disobedience prompted harsh criticism from conservatives who warned that he might face the fate of Abdul Hassan Bani Sadr, which I remember him, Iran's first post-revolution president who was impeached and exiled for allegedly attempting to undermine, undermine clerical power. Uh, so remember that. Ahmadinejad is going against the clerics, the Islamists, okay? Ahmadinejad's unprecedented disobedience, uh, let's see here, uh, excuse me, Ayatollah Mezbah Yazdi, a hardline cleric close to Khomeini, warned that disobeying the supreme leader, who has the ultimate power in Iran, is equivalent to apostasy from God. Wow. Which is the same thing our Christian dominionists tell us. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we disagree with some of the policies of our our Christian leaders or the prophets that we have. Sure. You disagree with that policy, you're also an apostasy from God. So we have that in common. Ahmadinejad has so far declined to officially back Khomeini's ruling over Haydar Mosley, the minister at the center of the row. In the first cabinet meeting since the president returned, Mosley was absent. Khomeini's supporters believe that the top-level confrontation stems from the increasing influence of Moshe, an opponent of greater involvement of clerics in politics, who is being groomed by Ahmadinejad as a possible successor. But the feud has taken a metaphysical turn following the release of an Iranian documentary alleging the imminent return of the hidden Imam Mahdi, the the revered savior of Shia Islam. I've been hearing about this for years. I wish you would just hurry up and show up. It's like, come on, man, you know. If he does show up, I'm thinking that's going to who Gog is going to be. But that's yeah. just my opinion. Well, well, whoever he really is, right. I wish he would just, you know. Well, Carol, number two. Ask Carol Camping. He can tell you. Yeah. Well, well you know, he was. He had a tough there. weekend, you know. And he did his have a friends tough came weekend. by and were consoling him, and they said, "Hey, brother Camping, don't worry, man. It's <laughs> it's not like it's the end of the world." <laughs> I know you've been waiting until this Tuesday to tell that one. Yeah, I'm sure. I know. Yeah. I wanted oh, to leave. I wanted bad. to leave a pair of shoes. Yeah. And a, a, pa- a pile of clothes in the parking lot, and then just 
look at it Sunday morning and scream and go, oh, my gosh, the pastor, <laughs> the pastor. Oh. oh, you're bad. Yeah. You know, I wonder if we could get Harold Camping for that prophecy conference coming up with uh, Tom Horn. I'm sure he would have a lot to say. Well, let me finish this here and wrap it up here. Um, Let's see. It says, uh, the the Savior of Shia Islam, whose reappearance is anticipated by believers in a manner comparable to that in which Christian fundamentalists anticipate the second coming of Jesus. Conservative clerics who say that the Mahdi's return cannot be predicted. Does this sound like sort of reminiscent of what we've been going through? Uh, have accused a deviant current within the president's inner circle, including Mache, of being responsible for the film. Let me make a com- comment here. Do you remember stories we have read over the years in here about some of our top current leaders meeting inside Washington, talking about the fulfillment of Bible prophecy that they were talking about in the t- top defense department? Yeah. About totally Gog wacky. Magog War, uh-huh. and they brought in the Joel, uh, what's his name, you know, they write all the books. And, yeah. Um, no, I mean, Joel. Um, Rosenblatt. Yeah, that, not, that's not. Rosenberg. Berg, yeah. But, you know, they brought in these kind of people. They're teaching it in our stuff, too. And, you know, you and I believe in Bible prophecy. I mean, it's not the question of that, but it's a question that is mirrored over there. Sure. And the Islamic side, just the same thing that's going on you within know, one the of Christian the, sect here. One of the things that we reviewed, one of the one of our, our, our past shows, quite a, uh, at least a year ago now, was when uh, uh, we reviewed Michael Bajan's book. Yeah. And one of the interesting things he said there is there are a lot of Muslims who just eat up um, the Bible teaching from uh, prophecy books, prophecy books, the yeah. prophecy books, yeah, and they Hal Lindsey sort of, yeah. and stuff, and they just sort of interpret it in a in a Islamic spin it, yeah, Islamic mindset. They spin it, yeah. But this stuff is going on in our own power structures and depending on elsewhere, where based upon Bible prophecy, decisions are being made of actions to take. And I've seen stuff from like the uh, war colleges that we've read on here mm-hmm. reflecting that. So anyway, it's going on over there too. Everybody's getting ready for the big. Showdown, which is sort of scary because Michael Bajan, as much as I strongly disagree with his anti-Christian opinions and stuff, mm-hmm. he says this is going to happen, mm-hmm. that it's going to get more extreme because of this on these different sides. And I'm afraid he's right in that. But what's sad is Christians are contributing to this environment, and it's going to end up taking all the, quote, fundamentalists down by the globalist. Mm-hmm. The, the the Blairs, Tony Blairs, and the people of the world are going to say, look, all of you fundamentalists, Christian, Muslims, all are destroying the world. we got to get rid of all of you for peace, for global peace. And we're going to fall right into that or something anyway. Um, it says, uh, Ahmadinejad's... Uh, uh, well, let, me, let me go back here. Conservative clerics who say that Mahdi's return cannot be predicted have accused a deviant current within the president's inner circle, including Mache, of being responsible for the film. Ahmadinejad's obsession with the hidden imam is well known. He often refers to him in his speeches, and in 2009 said that he had documentary evidence that the U.S. was trying to prevent the Mahdi's return. Since Ahmadinejad's return this week, at least... 20- I mean, the U.S. is powerful, but, you know, that's awful powerful. Well, I've had a lot of surprises, you know. In yeah. the last year or two, so like, you know, United who knows? States. I mean, in their cosmology, like, they may have gone to that well and dammed it up or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like the United States is actually physically presenting the return of God's anointed one. Well, you know what's so, ironic, man. I you mean, know, I know we were bad, but man, we are bad. Well, you know, he's supposed to come out of that well. Oh, so the only thing I know that they could put concrete down the well, but the Muslims did the same thing too in Egypt when they blocked up the eastern gate. 
and they because you know Jesus says in the Bible he's going to come through the eastern gate, uh, and they blocked it up, and then they put a a Muslim cemetery outside it, mm. thinking that Jesus wouldn't come through any of that. Why wouldn't so he the come same through Muslim st- cemetery? Because they just think he wouldn't, because you know they think he's a good Muslim according to them. Mm. Um, anyway. Um, since Ahmadinejad's return this week, at least 25 people who are believed to be close to Mache have been arrested. Among them is Abbas Amrifar, head of the government's cultural committee and some journalists of Mache's recently launched newspaper. On Saturday, Mojiba Zolnor, Kamani's uh, deputy representative in the powerful Revolutionary Guard, said, Today, Mache is the actual president. Mr. Ahmadinejad has held on to a decaying rope by relying on Mache. Mm. So this Mache guy, Mache, is sounds like he's sort of a Rasputin guy. He's calling the shots and sort of motivating Ahmadinejad in his being. He, he may be a more interesting character long-term than Ahmadinejad in terms of the real threat of this kind of stuff. Yeah, so, you'll notice that the people who are really high up in there, there's always a certain contingent of people who don't really care at all about money, and they only care right. about spiritual matters. Right. They are the top, top yeah. types. Yeah. Like and, money, it's like, who cares about money? And, I've got all of it I could ever want. Except for like the... Uh, Rothschilds and Rockefellers and those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Except for them, a lot of them we may not even know their names. Yeah. Because they've been successfully anonymous. Yeah. But remember that one name uh, that I read earlier? Abbas Ghaffari, a man with special skills in metaphysics and connections with unknown worlds. Mm-hmm. Would be curious to find out more about him. Yeah. So, sorry. No, My commentary drug two short stories out. So. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. Lay though. something on us. All right. How about this one that just showed up in my inbox literally 30 seconds ago? Belarus has just devalued its currency by 56%. Okay. Uh, when it comes to currency, uh, uh, when it comes to currency warfare, one can be polite and gentlemanly about it. Uh, like Brazil, for instance, which every day and sometimes on several occasion, occasions during the day will proceed to buy dollars in an attempt to keep one's own currency lower. Or one can do what the Belarus Central Bank just did and officially devalue one's currency, in this case, the Belarus ruble, by 56% overnight against every currency out there. Hmm. Um, now, I'm interesting, but really interesting is they're not sure why they did it or who did it. That's the really interesting part. Uh, this is from Commerçant. Uh, hmm. That's a Russian mm-hmm. uh, news agency. Uh, now, Belarus is the one country... One Used to be part of the USSR. They stayed the most closely connected to Russia, right? I believe so. They're yes. most in the shadow. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the National Bank of Belarus is sharply devaluing the official rate of the Belarusian ruble. The exchange rate as of May 24th was set at 4,903 ruples per dollar, a decrease of 56% from the 23rd of May. The National Bank of Belarus has officially confirmed a sharp depreciation of the currency. On its website, it has published the official exchange rate of Belarusian uh, rubles as uh, uh, 1-2-BR-4930, uh, which is a decrease of 56%. Uh, 1 euro uh, to 6914.82 Belarusian rubles, which is a decrease of 53%. And... uh, uh, one Russian ruble to a Belarusian rib, uh, to one Russian ruble uh, to 1,700 and, uh, 1,703.95, which is a decrease of 
percent. Hey, let, let, if I could interject here, mm-hmm. I used to do some work over in Russia mm-hmm. uh, when I worked with the government and did some stuff with their scientists. And I would go over there after so many months. And even like, say, less than a year between my trips, mm-hmm. the devaluation of the Russian ruble was always about that same, that same 53 percent, mm-hmm. where the, whatever I got, the rubles for the dollar, it was always more than double the rubles for the dollar the next time I went. Wow. I mean, it was like 5,000 rubles to the dollar. And like the the, the ruble was, now, okay, so picture that, 5,000 rubles to a dollar. Mm-hmm. Then the ruble was broken up into kopecks, like our pennies, mm-hmm. okay, like 100 kopecks, something like that. Mm-hmm. You, to ride their subway was five kopecks. Wow. <laughs> so it didn't cost a whole lot. No. Not so much. And that was just, I think you got on there until you got off. It was just one five COVID. Wow. Because the people were so poor, that was the only way to get around. Well, maybe so. I'll just maybe I'll just sell my car and move to well, Russia. If you bought imported stuff, that was really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. But there was no way the average Russian could afford that. So for staples, like a loaf of bread, mm-hmm. some kind of very basic kind of thing like that, those mm-hmm. things stayed cheap. Because they had to. It was supply and demand. People, yeah, sure. no one could pay it. Mm-hmm. So that's all people got. They got a ride on the subway. They got a hunk of bread and a few simple things like that. Maybe a little, you know, sugar or butter or something. Great. But everything else imported was just ridiculous, you know. Hmm. Uh, here's sort of the really interesting thing I thought. Meanwhile, representatives of the Belarusian banks have criticized the mechanism of devaluation. The problem is not in the specific value of the exchange rate and the mechanism. The question is, under whose speculative decisions did the national bank make this choice? Uh, In this case, the representatives of a state bank believe that the decision should be viewed as an interim measure. According to him, the trend is obvious. The official exchange rate will move in the direction of the OTC exchange rate rather than vice versa. So there you have it. You know, I wonder if that'll be the straw that kind of gets the ball rolling on some crazy stuff. Uh, Also of note, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Paul Craig Roberts says, quote, there's probably more democracy in China than there is in the West. I found that quote here. Would you like to hear it? Does he back it up? No. I mean, he may, but I only found that. Well, I know he's an expert kind of guy, you know, from the Reagan administration. He was from the... I could read you the the wider quote. Sure. People can, you know, attack him about it. The West prides itself that it is the standard for the world, that it is a democracy, but nowhere do you see democratic outcomes, not in Greece, in Ireland, in the U.K. The outcomes are always to punish the innocent and reward the guilty, which unfortunately is Mm -hmm. pretty spot on. Uh, And that's what the Greeks are in the streets protesting. We see this all over the West. There is no democracy. There are oligarchies. Some of these smaller European countries are not even run by their own governments, which was certainly been the Mm -hmm. case in Greece. Um, you know, one of the things that we didn't get to in the show that I we did recently on Gladio is uh, uh, s- several quotes that I had. One of the uh, gladiators, gladiadori, uh, if you use the Italian mm-hmm. moniker, one of the gladiadoris uh, that were there hired in Greece right before the 67 coup was asked uh, a couple of years ago about it. He said, well, officially we were just ba- basically state-sanctioned terrorists mm-hmm. and uh, uh, who worked at the request of the CIA, mm-hmm. you know. Which is true. Yep. Um, uh, so we see this all over the West. There's no democracy. There are oligarchies. Uh, there's probably more democracy in China than there is in the West. And revolution is the only answer, which I disagree with. We are confronted with a curious situation. Throughout the West, we think we have democracy. We hold ourselves up high. Uh, we demonize China. We talk about the mafia state of Russia. 
We talk about the Arabs and so on, but where is the democracy here? I don't know. Now that I've read it, I think that's. I don't think I agree with that that much. <laughs> like the first half is interesting, but thank you. Falkyrie Roberts is pretty honked off. Yeah. The thing he's is, he's become so disillusioned with his country, mm-hmm. and he was a guy insider, one of the main guys on the cabinet yeah, with Reagan. Supposedly, he was a co-founder of Reaganomics. Right. As far that's as, right. as, that's as, what as I said. policy, yeah. But he, he's had a problem of being too honest about stuff, and I think. And I can sympathize with him. You want to just truck the whole thing. He he just sees so much facade Mm -hmm. in what we were sold by, you know, this American, you know, environment. I you know, people love hearing him talk. And uh, Mm -hmm. do you have something else you want to share, or do you want me to go? No, that was it. That that's sort of like one. Well, I mean, do you want to go to another story? You want me to go? No, no, please go. Sure. Yes. Okay. Yours are always so much better than mine. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, no, no. Just make sure note your stories you read because I need the links. Email them to me so I can okay. put them on the website, okay? So keep keep charge over there. Um, uh, okay, this is 300 religious right forming its own Spartan army. This is from Right Wing Watch. For months now, we've been chronicling how self-subscribed prophets and apostles, these are like the New Apostolic Reformation people, uh, have been merging Seven Mountains Dominionism with mainstream religious right activism. And increasingly, the man at the center of this appears to be the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins. Perkins was among the first to embrace Lou Engel and to transform him into a religious right leader, and now he seems to be doing the same with Rick Joyner of the Oak Initiative. Just today we noted, by by the way, I've been interrupted over the last month or so from going in this thing I've been unveiling about the Knights of Malta thing, you know, and Joyner and stuff. Mm -hmm. I've got tons, tons more stuff. That's going to, I think, blow people away. Um, and there's more that I'm sure going to happen in that. And so I've been collecting a lot of very interesting data, some of which I've not had a chance to show you. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's going to be very interesting what comes up with this. So don't forget about this stuff, people. Um, it says, uh, just today we noted that Joyner, Jerry Boykin, and that's the general, you know, Mr. Abu Ghraib, uh, and Janet Porter, we're gathering for a, tele- for a conference next month, and as I was looking for more information about it, I stumbled across a video of Perkins, Joyner, Boykin, and Frank Turek discussing the importance of Christians getting deeply involved in politics. Uh, Perkins, uh, dis- Perkins explains the absolute necessity of getting Christians into all levels of government, while Boykin compared Christians today to the Spartan army, and quoted King Leonidas. You remember the guy who led the 300 Spartans there yeah. in the past? Well, or? weren't the Spartans like like super gay? Yes, they forced uh, uh, pedophilia yeah, amongst the men. They took the kids. Um, well, first of all, any of the kids who weren't absolutely perfect specimens, they killed them. Mm-hmm. Sort of like euthanasia, or uh, we'd be know. in trouble. Well, yeah, 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 or abortion, you know, or stuff yeah. like that. So they first did that was the first thing, and then. They would take them away for their parents, so the state would raise the kids instead of their parents raise them. And then they were introduced to pedophilia by older men, or pederasty, I guess whatever you call it. Um, and they became a hyper-warrior culture. And this is what these Christian leaders want us to become. They want us to become a similar kind of culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Boykin, again, he was the former head of Delta Force. He was the guy who helped establish Abu Ghraib, mm-hmm. Guantanamo Bay. Uh, he was involved in the Phoenix Project there in Vietnam. And now he's the darling of evangelical circles. And, uh, Wait, he was churches. involved in the Phoenix Project? 
way back then. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He's got all the boxes checked. Yeah. You know? And now I just saw he started a new ministry now, I think, called Christian Warriors. Uh, in fact, to see if I've got a website here, I'll tell you. This is something just new that I saw. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Kingdom Warrior Ministries. And there, here it is, if you can see it on my screen here. Uh, and his quote uh, of Jesus was, uh, let me go back to it here. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Yeah, that's, uh, it's got a big sword on there. So he stays a consistent theme, basically. Um, So anyway, he is singing the praises here of uh, Leonidas and the pagan Spartans. And he says, uh, he quotes King Leonidas by declaring, Molan Labay, come and get them, when he and his army were told to lay down their weapons. So as you know, they addressed the enemy with extreme hand-to-hand combat, Mm -hmm. physical battle. And he is suggesting we should emulate these guys, okay? Um, excuse me. Uh, likewise, Boykin declared Molan LeBay, stating that he will not be silenced and challenge those in Washington who are out to take his liberties, rob his grandchildren, and destroy America to just try and take them from him. Uh, finally, Joyner announced that Christians will have mu- uh, more than enough people to take control, but they need to bind together, and as such, would soon be unveiling a coalition called 300. Now, I thought of something about this the other day. Okay, so they want us to re- be like these pagan Spartans that had a basically a warrior culture mm-hmm. where they killed people who were not good fighters, even amongst their own, had the state raise their children into basically worship of the state. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there was a Christian group that had 300 warriors, and this was founded by Gideon. Now, you remember mm-hmm. where I said the Oak Initiative? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't quite sure where they get the oak initiative, but the angel who called Gideon sat under an oak tree. Hmm. Okay? Now, when he and basically what he did was he got 300 warriors, right, hmm. to go fight a hot battle. But what did he do right after that? Here was the leader. He was the, you know, the Jewish leader. He immediately took the gold, confiscated the gold from everybody, made a an ephod, which basically... Something that that he would have that would be an object of like being a Christian leader or mm-hmm. a, a, excuse me a spiritual leader, mm-hmm. and he made his own where he anointed himself a leader, and it became an object of worship, where it became mm-hmm. an idol. So now we have self-appointed apostles, Great. who are now raising an army for their own. Basically, we, we have to listen to what they say and do what they say, so they're mm-hmm. apostles over. So I think it's an interesting. Thing and I will I will close here with something. It's another religious story here. Uh, just a few paragraphs. A demoted Liberty University professor heads to Fundamentalist Texas College. This is also Right Wing Watch. Uh, Ergen Kainer, the former head of Liberty University Seminary, was demoted last year after media attention, including an article that I, the writer here, wrote for Alternet, uh, uh, forced Liberty officials to investigate glaring discrepancies in the Jihad to Jesus life story. Kaner had peddled after 911 to raise his profile in the evangelical world. Kaner told some audiences that he had been raised in Turkey to be a jihadist and learned about America from watching television. In fact, he was born in Sweden to a Turkish father and raised in Ohio. 
He was one of the. He was the head of the seminary at Liberty, mm-hmm. and a darling of facts. evangelical circles. Yeah. Yep. His facts were contradictory. Kaner and, and that was that was the Declaration of Liberty University. He said that Kaner, an engaging speaker and one-time rising star of the religious right, is headed to Texas, where Arlington Baptist College has hired him as its provost and vice president. Arlington Baptist College was founded by J. Frank Norris, an anti-evolution crusader whom Kaner describes as one of Christianity's most courageous voices. Here's how the Associated Baptist Press describes Norris. Uh, Norris, founder of both Arlington Baptist College and the World Baptist Fellowship, was a fundamentalist Baptist leader in Texas in the first half of the 20th century, the one-time editor of the Baptist Standard and longtime pastor of First Baptist Church of Fort Worth, was nicknamed the Texas Tornado during a long-running feud with the Southern Baptist. Once loyal to the Southern Baptist Convention, Norris became alienated by the 75 million campaign forerunner today's cooperative program of unified budget support of both state and national Baptist conventions. He spent the rest of his days seeking to undermine the Southern Baptist Convention, accusing Baptist schools of teaching evolution and tolerating modernist theories of Bible study. After his exclusion from his local association, state convention, and the Southern Baptist Convention, Norris founded his own independent fundamentalist group, originally called the Premillennial Baptist Missionary Fellowship, but renamed the World Baptist Fellowship after a split over his authoritarian leadership. Mm. And that's where Ergen Kainer is going to be a top-level official. So, here's good news. You can uh, you can be a very, very prominent, high-profile Christian leader in America. Uh, evidently, lie vociferously about your testimony in a way to try to change people's minds. That's what caught, I really love. And then you'll be courted for other leadership positions. First of all, they won't get rid of you completely. They'll give you another no, professor position. it's sort of a position. feather in your cap secretly. So... Uh, you, you and I have heard on over the years on Future Quake some of the most inspirational Christian leaders on our show mm-hmm. who the establishment, the Christian establishment, would never even raise an eyebrow over, would never even care about. Sure. But people who know their Bible, love Jesus, seem to be really hearing a word from God in their teaching that's legitimate with the Bible mm-hmm. and can do amazing things. And these guys in the establishment don't care at all. Yeah. Often because they're not giving a word that is what people want to hear and what the, itches their ears. Yeah. The big That's right. Yeah. And that's what they're looking for. And you don't even have to tell the truth. As no. long as you give people that. Truth is situational at my church. That's why Rick Joyner, <laughs> you know, was hanging with Todd Bentley. You know, yeah. he's the main guy to help bring him back where he can start making some money again. Hmm. No matter what about the lies that Todd Bentley lived. Todd Bentley, that's another good one. You know, he may become the Todd Bentley of the religious right. I hate to use that. It's probably an extreme example, but, you know. Mm -hmm. Hey, oh, hey, here's another thing. Play it on us. That just came out. I'll I'll mention it and then go to an actual story. Okay. Uh, You know, it turns out uh, Dominic Strauss-Kahn secretly contacted the accused maid's impoverished family, offering them money to make the case go away. Since they can't reach her in protective custody. What ca- who? What case? Dominique Strauss-Kahn. Oh, okay. He's the IMF guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he bribed a witness. Uh, a person is guilty of bribing. Oh, it, it mentioned it here. Um, so, turns out he's guilty of witness tampering. I guess that sort of blows the whole, hey, he's just 
a victim of circumstance mm-hmm. and then kind of out of the water. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me give you another uplifting since we've had so many happy days, sort of. Okay. Uh, spirits are in the air. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Dutch priests belong to pedophile club. Or pedophile. Pedophile. Yeah. Sorry. It's it's that A-E-D. Yeah. It's uh, pedophile. Yeah. Okay. Pedophile. They just spell it. Yeah. This is from the New Zealand Herald. Okay. Uh, anyway, this Dutch priest belonged to the, to the pedophiles. Uh, the head of a Catholic religious order in the Netherlands has confirmed one of its subordinate priests served on the board of an organization that promotes pedophilia. Herman Spronk, head of the Dutch arm of the Silesian order, and they actually used to be pretty good folks. I, I did some research yeah. on the Silesians. They were all about, like, uh, you know, orphans and stuff. Yeah. Which is, is a whole new mm-hmm. light to this thing. Uh, said in a statement Friday, the priest served on the board of the Marchin organization, which is widely reviled but not technically illegal. Of course we reject this and distance ourselves from this personal initiative on the part of the priest's Bronx statement, said. Membership in such organizations does not fit with the ethos of the Silesian order. However, RTL Nius, uh, which is another foreign news story uh, organization, which broke the story, published interviews both with Spronk and the priest identified as 73-year-old Father Van B, in which they defend some pedophilia relationships. Society thinks that relationships are harmful. I disagree, RTL quoted Van B as saying. Uh, he serves on Martin's board. He served on Martin's board from 2008 until 2010. So he wasn't just a, a member. He was served on the board. Wow. Um, when the organization's founder was arrested for allegedly possession, uh, for alleged possession of child pornography, the case is ongoing. Uh, RTL quoted Spronk, who's the head of the Silesian mm-hmm. Order, as saying that formally I always say that everyone must obey the law, but these relationships do not necessarily have to be damaging. That's the head of the. Roman Catholic Silesian order. And they can excuse that away. <laughs> I like, you know. Okay, we, I just talked about the religious right, being able to look past somebody who's a regular liar. Mm-hmm. We got another Christian leader who's a politician who gets associated with Blackwater, and now you're talking Roman Catholicism. This is their kind of gig they're into. Yep. Uh, so, anyway, Spronk and his organization could not be reached for comment. Um Thousands of past cases of alleged sexual abuse by priests are under investigation uh, by an independent but church-funded commission in the Netherlands. It is headed by former government minister uh, Wim Dietman. Dietman. Wim Dietman. Uh, the Dutch church, which has more than 4 million members, first set up a body to deal with abuse allegations in 1995, but the independent commission was formed Last year, after shocking abuse cases were uncovered here, at the same time, similar stories were snowballing in neighboring Germany. Uh, several of the first and most prominent abuse cases that have come to light in the Netherlands, in the Netherlands has, have also involved Salesian priests. Hmm. Pretty horrible stuff. Got the head of the head of the priest order saying it's, you know, these relationships aren't necessarily damaging even though you should obey the law. But they're not necessarily damaging. It's not damaging if it's them. Yeah. Now, if you're one of those kids, what are those kids going to think about God in the future? That's what they associate. These people represent God. You know, they're like the 
the vicars of Christ. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It's really, 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 really messed up. It's sick. Well, satanic. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what it comes down to. It's like, you know, yeah. not even not even covert Satanism, you know. This won't be a revelation to our listeners, but it, the theme that we've had over particularly the last couple of years of doing Future Quake is that if you want to have a straight walk with the Lord, you had yeah. better get your eyes off Christian leaders, no matter what denomination you are, mm-hmm. or a particular group, or who you hang out with, mm-hmm. because they'll lead you right off into the abyss. Yep. And I don't mean to implicate every one of them. I know there's a few people. Well, sure, how dare yeah. you say that? I'm sure there there's are some good ones out there. Good ones out there. But I tell you what, if you aren't, if you don't take personal charge of reading the Bible for yourself, and and really like just grab a hold of it. I mean, not only read it and read it daily, but actually take some, you know, take some of these tools where you can read, you know, the original words in the Greek mm-hmm. where they explain it. Look at the various possibilities of how they interpret it. But go through and just take some effort, at least a little bit of effort to do it. Um, you're, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're going to be led like lambs to the slaughter. And the Bible foretold in the last days that's what will happen. Mm-hmm. That they will creep in unawares. And the thing is, some of our stories name names of people, and that makes people very, very uncomfortable because yeah, everywhere like else the they hear thing. these people are singing praises for these people everywhere else. But that's that's the main warning I see is that. You know, if you get star-crossed with these Christian celebrities, um, they're going to ruin your faith. Or they very well could. Yeah. Very well could. That's, it's hard. I mean, who knows? I've seen the Lord do amazing things in people who were pretty messed up. I know. I but, know but that's the that's the Lord's grace, but you can't rely on that sure. for every circumstance. No. It's better, to, it's better to not get in trouble. I can tell you, know? you there's a lot of people who even just idolized their pastor at a local church, uh-huh. and they went too far from just simply being respectful to, like, really hanging more of their faith on what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And, then and when he, he had a fall, sh- yeah. and they never darkened the door of a church again. Mm. And said, you know, they just threw out the whole baby of the bathwater. That's a tough one. Yeah. What do you do in that situation? And you know, they still have, I mean, shame on the pastors for doing that and the church who set up that culture. But every individual has a responsibility yeah, to make the, their commitment solely to Christ. Yeah, at the end of the day, it wasn't it wasn't the pastor who sent you to hell. Ultimately, that's yeah. true. It was your lack of I don't know whatever you want to call We're it. We're all responsible for yeah. our own mm-hmm. our own faith. We can't hang it on anybody else, and that means you better be careful how you set somebody up too high. Remember, like I've said before, anything that you set up in your life above further critique has become an idol. And that concludes any of these Christian leaders that we're talking about, or one just in your local community. Mm-hmm. So, right. anything else? So that was pretty powerful, pretty yeah. uplifting. I'm here to here to support you all, folks. Yeah. Woohoo! Sorry. Um, no, I think one incredibly depressing story uh, around is. Well, this was like a trip to the oxygen bar. Just so refreshing. Yeah, you know? I know. I feel light on my feet. <laughs> Well, this one, I'll have to see how far I want to go with this, okay? okay. It's just something related to something we've talked about, the, a new salvo. Uh, we talked about Walid Shabbat before, right? You know, who, mm-hmm. who said he was a terrorist, you know, with the mm-hmm. Palestinians, yeah. you know, Christian, and he's the most popular one. Most of the churches, you know, book him for stuff. He's the one that said that Muslims are, they're all evil. In fact, he made a statement the other day that he said we should kill them all, even the children. 
I don't know if you heard what? that. Yeah, he's Christian. Oh. His Christian leader said we should kill the Muslim children. Um, but uh, anyway, he's the one that, that has most of the support. He's the one also that we talked about. We found out that he had bombed some kind of bank, he says, uh, in Israel. And the Jerusalem posted a story and can't find any kind of records or evidence whatsoever that it happened. Nor can they find any of his other relatives that... He mm-hmm. said we're we're part of the you know resistance you know mm-hmm. Palestinian resistance. So uh, there's another guy that's come up, Mossab Hassan Youssef. Youssef. Uh, he uh, had a book I think it's called Son of Hamas, mm-hmm. where his dad was the head of Hamas. Yes. And he became a Christian. Yeah. And uh, I've seen him on TV a few times. I think on CBN and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What's interesting about him is I guess you know he was really a pretty dangerous kind of guy and was jailed. And basically, they said, if you, I think this is how it goes. If you want to protect your father, you're going to work with us. So he became a plant for Shin Bet, the uh, intelligence arm of Israel. Uh, got him tons of information uh, to stop a lot of bombings, to prevent bombings from occurring. And he rationalizes this, you know, having become a Christian, that he was stopping Palestinians from blowing themselves up hmm. and stopping violence, which he was very anti-violent. And developed a close relationship with his uh, Shin Bet uh, handler, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Walid Shabbat doesn't like this guy cutting in, evidently. So now he's repudiating him, okay? So Walid Shabbat, uh, and this, yeah, he's going after him. Well, how, did, how would Walid Shabbat have, um, like, where does he get the authority to repudiate well, the guy's story? Well, he says he doesn't like his version of the Christianity. Oh. Okay. I go share you here. Here's, there's a another website I have found that's very useful called barthnotes.wordpress.com. That's Barth for Bartholomew. Mm-hmm. Barth Notes. And uh, this is Richard Bartholomew. I wrote this article. He says a couple of times last year, I blogged on Mossab Hassan Yosef, author of the book Son of Hamas. Yosef is the son of a senior Hamas figure, and he gained some media attention in 2008 after moving to America and announcing his conversion to Christianity. He subsequently revealed that he had worked with Israeli security services, and last summer he overcame a deportation threat. Yosef has a viscerally hostile view of Islam. Now, the guy who's writing this, by the way, is not a Christian, okay? He's writing mm-hmm. this article. He's not a Christian, but he writes on religion all the time. He, or, well, I shouldn't say he's not a Christian. He's not a conservative Christian, okay? I really okay. don't know where he you stands religiously. Yeah. Uh, but And in an interview with GQ magazine, he explains, this Yosef, that Israel can be a problem. Yes, I admit that, and I agree. I am against occupation. But they blame everything on occupation. Muslims look at themselves and say, we are the victim. We are under occupation. Israelis have been killing us, and we kill, but not because we love to kill. What I'm saying is, yes, you are right. You are wonderful people, but study your religion. You know who you are worshiping. You are worshiping a God who is sending you to destruction. Okay, now that's Yusef's position, okay? He's talking back to mm-hmm. his, fel- his Muslim background people. Very strong. Well, that's right. Mossab's former Shin Bet handler observed that he is no Zionist. Okay? It seemed to me that for a while, this is the writer writing, that while some may regard Mossab spying for Israel as a betrayal, those who support Palestinian rights and he says, and that includes me, should recognize that the responsibility lies with Hamas. 
whose terrorism and religious extremism clearly alienate thoughtful Palestinians and put some like Yosef in impossible situations. That seems like a pretty enlightened position. Yeah. You know, he's saying that, that Hamas does terrorism. It certainly doesn't further the Palestinian cause. Okay, Mossab was originally endorsed by Walid Shabbat. Okay, he was endorsed by him originally, mm-hmm. and his handler, Keith Davies. Um, Walid, okay, uh, Keith Davies says he's a... He's a partner with Shabbat. Waleed and I believe this man is the real deal. He says the exact same things as Waleed, understands the Bible, and also understands the real meaning of Islam. You cannot be a fraud and speak this way. Speaking the truth like this is from a man who has been redeemed. That He's talking about Yosef, okay? Mm-hmm. So he's initially endorsing him. Okay. Okay. For those naysayers, it's been confirmed by the Israeli authorities that he worked for them, so his story checks out. However... Shabbat has now changed his mind, accusing him of being a double agent in a piece for Pajamas Media. During the initial contact within Israel's Mascubia, or Jerusalem Central Prison, Mossab agreed to collaborate in exchange for Israel not targeting his father. Which I can sort of understand. Mossab, uh, Mossab agreed, uh, did not convert. Now, now listen, this is the key part. Mossab did not convert to what the West would recognize as Christianity, but to a fiery Palestinian brand of the faith that is vehemently anti-Israel. So Walid Shabbat is saying this. Walid Shabbat says that Mossab, that if he's part of a Christianity, he's not the right kind of Christianity, because it is an anti-Israel Christianity. Hmm. He had early endorsed him as redeemed, but he says... It's not what the West would recognize as Christianity, but a fiery Palestinian brand of the faith. Hmm. So there's different kinds of Christianities based upon your political position, evidently. So that's that's something else that should separate us as Christians is your political position. Well, I'll tell you, man, I I mentioned this before we started. I read an article this morning in in a young person's newspaper where it was an editorial where they equated anti war with being anti Christian. And I was just, I was horrified. Uh, so I, they basically think that's what Jesus really wanted us to be about, is embracing war. Well, the, the logic, uh, the logical arc was, is sometimes you go, you know, down to that other church down the road, and you see signs that say, like, anti-war and coexistence stuff. And, you know, if you go through in there and you look at the liberal bumper stickers, you may see things you might, you know, more than you want to see, mm-hmm. but those people are actually anti-Christ and anti-Christian. Um because they, you know, uh, they endorse causes mm-hmm. that you don't agree with, that a conservative mm-hmm. Christian would not agree with. Therefore, vis-a-vis the anti, uh, anti-war is anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. And as we know, conservative values trump the general revelation of Scripture because they will actually condense out what the Bible says and keep what's the conservative parts. Well, I and I speak to someone who's been a conservative virtually my whole life. Well, I don't. But that's I don't what I understand Bible, from what you're my, saying. My Bible has Jesus' words in red, uh-huh. and then uh, the conservative principles in redder. Redder red. Okay. Yeah, redder red. You remember what I said about whatever you set up above critique becomes your idol? Mm-hmm. And if conservatency, even though it may be right most of the time, but if you set being a conservative above being just a follower of Christ's teaching, whatever it is, then what has become an idol? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're screening Christ's teachings or the Bible teachings by your conservative viewpoint. Mm-hmm. 
I tell you, Jesus won't play ball with any of us that way. No, you know? It's him. It's his way or the he highway. He says, beware the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So, so anyway, here, here's now the beef, okay? Uh, since he's come out anti-Israel, then that means he's not like a real Christian. Hmm. Uh, now, here's what uh, Shabbat says about Mossab. According to Mossab, his main goal in coming to the U.S. is to infiltrate the main source of international support for Israel, the American church. Mossab is now touring churches to end Israel's lifeline. Many Jews and Christians in the West are unable to determine friend from foe in the Mideast. Well, I would add myself to that. Because the CIA and the intelligence arms have muddled things so much that sure. I can't do it. And that's why I don't want to send bombs to bomb people on one side versus the other because I can't make sense anymore of this, this stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. They are not able to read what is said in Arabic. They must seek translations and must be aware of double agents like Musab. And that's a pretty strong accusation about another brother in the Lord. Yes. Shobat, as has been documented, detests his Palestinian heritage and wishes that nukes would take care of the Muslim world. This may just be a showmanship, or may, but that's, he talks like that a lot. If you read Wally mm-hmm. Shobat, he's pretty extreme. In fact, he's almost the stereotype of what people think of Muslims or Arabic people, you know, where they're mm-hmm. shaking the scimitar and everything. Mm-hmm. That's his style of talking from what I've read in the past. You yeah, can make but he's this one out. of our scimitar shakers. But he's one of ours. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, and it says, uh, um, it says, this may be just showmanship or may reflect a deep hatred he apparently has for his late father. His own Christianity is actually a fiery anti-Palestinian brand of faith, which sees the conflict purely in terms of gothically depraved Muslims who hate Jews. Shobat has even rewritten the Bible to support his beliefs. The Book of Revelation, well, wait here. The Book of Revelation 666, he explains to church groups, is actually a misreading of the Arabic script for "In the name of Allah." What? So now, yeah, that's what he says. That just six 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 means Allah. What, are they saying that's are they saying that's like Quranic Arabic or something? Or yeah, the way the script, if you look at it, it looks like six six six. So that's his his detail. I don't know if Dr. Michael Heiser would say the I, his I, text review had the exact, particularly since Islam didn't exist back when those texts were well, written about six hundred years or so, yeah. five hundred. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, that's what he teaches in church groups, okay? And here is a guy who is not a conservative Christian who's having to debunk this stuff. Hmm. Uh, but Mossab is also a professional rival to Shabbat on the church pundit circuit. Shabbat bills himself as an expert on terrorism based on the fact that he once planted a bomb for the PLO in the 1970s. And even that is dubious. He doesn't even go into the fact that they can't find real evidence for it. Yeah. Mossab, in contrast, has real inside knowledge of Hamas, and he's avoided the kind of extra- extravagant pronouncements that make Shobat look increasingly absurd. Shobat's repudiation of Mossab is based upon statements which Mossab supposedly made in Arabic media. No links are given, and Shobat gives us short quotes only. Okay, here's what he says. Uh, These are quotes of what he says, even though he doesn't give links to it from Mossad. Israel is the problem, and as an occupation, it needs to end. There are many ways to do this beside the coward explosive operations. This is good. He's not saying don't attack. Whereas 
Well, Shabbat is saying drop bombs on all of them. They mm-hmm. need to be nuked. We he's just saying, gotta get rid of them. He says don't attack them. Even their babies, okay. right? Right. This will be the first time in history that a Palestinian book will find success so that the Western reader can see for himself the reality of what goes on over there. This is, he's quoting, uh, Yosef, okay? Mm-hmm. People in the West do not know what happens over there. With a balanced approach, I discuss the life of the Palestinian child under the Israeli occupation. Of course, my life suffered under all the problems of murder and criminal operations that were carried out by the Israeli occupation against my people, my family, myself, and against humanity. Okay, this is a Christian talking. Mm-hmm. With regret, our great leaders and mighty heroes and glorious defenders over there did not realize that instead of spending their wealth and monies on silly issues, they needed to enlist in their ranks writers and educated individuals in order to reverse the image of the Palestinian struggle. Shabbat reads the obvious ironical reverence to mighty heroes and glorious defenders as being actual praise for Hamas leaders. Mossab also allegedly advises Palestinians not to collaborate with Israel even if information about terrorism is involved. Um, now, what's ironic about this is that it turns out Walid Shabbat had asked Mossab to join him on the speaking circuit hmm. and try to bring him in, and uh, this fella turned him down. Hmm. And suddenly he turns against him after he that turned him down. That is interesting, yeah. Um, I have a little more, if you don't, I know that took a while. No, 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 you, it, was, it was interesting. I have a response from Yosef mm-hmm. in his Shinbet handler to him. If you want to hear it or if not, I can wait till later. No, no, let's hear it. You sure? Are you sure? Yes, I am okay. sure. I would not say yes if I was not well, sure. Well, you're being very generous with time. I just thought that because to me, these are the issues of the day. Sure. Christian Church has got to decide who's who, who's what. Okay, this is a later uh, thing also on Bartholomew's notes on religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, the response to Ali Shabbat. Uh, Ron Bracklin's website carries further details of the dispute between Walid Shabbat and Mossab Hassan Yusuf. Both men are ex-Muslim converts to Christianity of Palestinian heritage, now based in the USA, and both have vehemently anti-Islam views. However, while Shabbat is an apocalyptic Christian Zionist who has repudiated any kind of Palestinian identity, Yosef despite having collaborated with Israel's Shin Bet against Hamas, supports the establishment of a Palestinian state. Recently, as I blogged here, Shabbat, who purports to have planted a bomb for the PLO in the 70s and therefore to be an expert on Islamic terrorism, denounced Yosef as a fraud who was only against Hamas methodology, but not against their agenda, hmm. and whose main goal in coming to the U.S. is to infiltrate the main source of international support for Israel, the American church. I guess he's afraid that he's going to tell people in the church things that will change their mind. And so, out of fear, he's trying to stop him. Um, hmm. Shabbat, evidently he's thinking that the people in the church are not intelligent enough when they have this make information to make their own decision. Yeah. Um, okay, Shabbat provided quotes from Yosef made in Arabic media to support his case, including one in which Yosef advises Palestinians not to collaborate with Israel, even if information about terrorism is involved. However, Yusuf has always made it clear in English that he is not a Zionist and that he was motivated by opposition to Hamas's violence. Bracken, meanwhile, co-authored Son of Hamas with Yosef. As I noted here, Bracken previously co-authored a book on evangelical Palestinians entitled Between Two Fires, The Untold Story of Palestinian Christians. 
This book is sympathetic to Palestinian anger about Israel, and it includes an appendix solely authored by Bracken on Zionism of man versus the Zionism of God, which accuses Israel of ethnic cleansing. Yosef has now responded to Shabbat with two public letters, and his former Shinbat handler, Shinbet, which is their like CIA, service, yeah. Yeah, uh, has provided a new endorsement. Yosef's first letter was published on May 10th in Bracken's site and 11 May on Yosef's. The quotes in the article were taken from an Arabic-language interview on Al Hayat Satellite TV, which I believe to be the biggest and most effective ministry to Muslims in the Middle East. Hmm. Okay, this is Yosef talking. Mm-hmm. I had appeared the first time in 2008 after it was reported that I had become a follower of Jesus Christ. My appearance was a celebration and encouragement to tens of thousands of new believers in Jesus Christ who watch Al Hayat. A year later, following the release of Son of Hamas, many people were shocked to learn that I had worked for Israeli intelligence. They suddenly believed me just to be a greedy Israeli collaborator who betrayed his people and used Christianity as a cover. This was very hurtful for the ministry of Al Hayat and caused many to wonder whether Al Hayat too was what it claimed to be. Al Hayat is about Jesus Christ and nothing else. And they were concerned that the acquisitions, accusations might change the future of their ministry. Hmm. One caller was a new believer in Christ from my hometown of Ramallah. Rashid, the host of the show, asked this young brother an innocent question, which Walid Shobat translated in his article as, If you were in Mossab's position and have two choices, either someone Hamas will be killed or school children on a bus will be killed, will you report it? In the Palestinian territories, you cannot just make an anonymous call to 911. If you give information to Israel, even if it saves lives, you are dead. Any Palestinian has the right to kill you. Palestinian Christians are under no obligation to work or die for Israel. I risked my life in the most dark and dangerous places to save lives. That was my choice. I did it for my own reasons. As Christians, we are all obligated to die for Christ, if necessary, but not for any political regime. Based on this reality, therefore, I said, again, addressing Walid Shabbat's translation from Arabic, If I was in your shoes, you should not report it to Israel. If anyone hears me right now, and they are in relation to Israeli security, I advise them to work for the interest of their own people, number one, and do not work with the Israeli enemy against the interest of our people. They should collaborate with the Palestinian Authority only. By this, the caller understood me to mean, then don't report to Israel. I'm not here to encourage you to work for your enemies or give them any information. He's saying basically report to your local Palestinian if you know something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay? And he says it says to report to the Palestinian Authority. Uh, if God does not require a Palestinian Christian to do as I did, who am I to put a burden on thousands of brothers and sisters by asking them to risk their lives for a political regime. In other words, he's saying he did go help Israel in this, mm-hmm. but he's not saying every Palestinian should feel obligated to go work for Israel. That's what, that's what he's saying here. Mm-hmm. During a separate interview on Al Arabiya TV, I said that I am playing a big role in the church in the West to represent my people and build bridges of understanding. Since my people believe that Christians are plotting day and night to destroy the future of Muslims, and that's really what they believe. That's what they've been told, like what we're getting told. Mm-hmm. Same thing. And since many Western Christians review, view all Muslims as evil, an important part of my mission is to help people in the West and the Middle East understand and experience one another. 
not to travel to churches as a sideshow freak, the bad boy who came to Christ. I have never promoted uh, the Palestinian agenda or any other agenda in a church. Uh, as a P.S., Yosef introduces a 2008 email from Shabbat's handler Keith Davies, in which Davies invites Yosef to be a speaker for the Walid Shabbat Foundation. Okay, hmm. so Walid Shabbat's partner invites him to speak for the foundation. Yosef sees this as an attempt to recruit me to use my story to raise money. On 12 May, uh, the former Israeli Shinbet agent Gonan Itzak also weighed in. Okay. Uh, he also published this on, on his site. So the Shinbet guy who handled him in, in Israel. Mm-hmm. He says, last week I read an article by one Walid Shobat. Okay, here's an Israeli officer, mm-hmm. okay, saying, who claims to have been a PLO terrorist who bombed Bank Leumi in Bethlehem. Yet I've never seen his name before. Never saw his name in any Israeli intelligence files, and there is no record of any such attack of Walid Shobat. I found it strange that while his brothers and sisters are being slaughtered in Syria, Libya, Egypt, and Yemen, again, this is a Jewish guy talking, mm-hmm. Mr. Shobat's biggest concern seems to be a year-old television interview. He claims to be a great supporter of Israel. But where was he and what was he doing during the Second Intifada? While Mossad was risking his life day and night, Mr. Shobat was busy collecting donations with his 800 number. Mossab's goal was never to recruit people for the Israeli Shinbet. His goal was to build bridges to help his Palestinian brothers see the truth and understand the meaninglessness and futility of violence. I know this because we talk about it together almost every single day. How many times have you spoken with Mossab, Mr. Shabbat? Or do you think you know a man's thoughts and his motives of his heart by listening to a television interview? Mossab helped Israel more than anyone can believe. That is why the Israeli Knesset Foreign Affairs and Defense Committee wrote him a letter of gratitude, perhaps the first of its kind in Israeli history. But somehow Walid Shabbat knows something Israeli officials missed. He knows something members of the U.S. Congress missed. He is smarter than the former director of the CIA, smarter than the Jewish leaders in the United States. He says, I am a trained intelligence officer with degrees in business, law, and psychology, and have extensive experience in the world of lies and deception. Mm-hmm. I can smell a fraud and recognize a fake hero on the spot. <laughs> During his service, Mossab never lied to us, and believe me, we had all the tools and means to find out. Unlike Walid Shabbat, Mossab did not commit fictitious crimes against Israel. Unlike Mr. Shabbat, Mossab served hard time in prison and paid for what he did. Perhaps of particular wider interest, Ben Yitzhak backs Yosef's account of the Muscaba prison. According to Shobat, in his attack on Yosef, here's what you know, uh, Shobat claims about him. Mossab portrays the Jer- Jerusalem prison as a center for torture and persecution of Palestinians. The reality is much kinder. Each inmate has his own bed and an in-the-cell shower as well. I know this. I was a prisoner there myself. We ate three full meals a day and drank tea or sweet punch. And Mossab fails to mention that the Muscaba and Jewish inmates as well, who received the same treatment as the Palestinians and ate out of the same menu. Yes, you were beaten by security when lives were at stake. I witnessed firsthand Israeli soldiers in the quarter beating an inmate who attempted to kill his cellmate. He says, uh, what was so shocking to me at the time, the attempted murderer was a Jew. Hmm. But the Shinbet guy is incredulous. He says, as part of my job as an Israeli Shinbet agent, I visited many times the Maskebe prison. Reading Mr. Shabbat's description of the place, I can only say, Mr. Shabbat, you know nothing of Maskebe. Uh, the next day, Bracklin published a second letter from 
Yosef to Shabbat. Uh, this one appeared on his site a day later. He says, as you know, if you read my book, I came from a deep Islamic heritage, from a family that practices, teaches, and spreads Islam. I am a Palestinian who spent several years in Israeli jails, who was tortured and beaten almost to death by angry Israeli soldiers. Yet Christ pursued me until I found him and accepted his challenge to forgive and love my enemies. This is very hard for me to do, and it took a long time. For nearly ten years, I worked for Israeli intelligence, dealing with cool guys and really bad guys, moderate soldiers and fanatics, humanitarians and racists. Are there racist Israelis? Yes, there are, just so there are Hamas racists. I learned on my own, the very hard way, that extremist Israelis were no less dangerous than extremist Palestinians. Israelis are not the problem, and Palestinians are not the problem. Extremism is the problem. A racist Palestinian is no different than a racist Israeli. Racism is the problem. Greed and corruption are the problems, not greedy or corrupt Israelis or Palestinians. Gonin and I used to talk about other Shinbet agents. What if we swap Palestinian leaders and Israeli leaders? Will there be peace? And we all agreed that there would be no difference because they would still fight for their selfish goals. Because they were selfish and corrupt, not because they were Jews or Arabs. That is the exact point that I have come to over the last few years and have made the point. We, we, our Christian leaders or any of other government officials here, other countries, want to pit us as people groups against each yeah, other. Totally. When it's the, these greedy leaders want to get people in America, Israel, Russia, Iran, mm-hmm. all these kind of guys, they want to set us in the masses, the good folk of each land, as, as the scapegoats to fight each other. And this is the same point he's come to. And, and here you have a, a staunch intelligence offer, officer in Israel, mm-hmm. and you've got a Palestinian guy coming to a common agreement that they don't have a beef with each other. It's these, these power-hungry leaders on both sides that are doing it. Uh, he says, My reputation is torn apart every day by one side that hates me because they think I'm a Zionist and the other side that hates me because they think I'm a Palestinian extremist. Yosef also mentioned his friendship with Sarah Stern. Uh, yesterday, Shobat's response was published. Yet, you rejected my call to you in which you expressed in your post insinuating that we wanted to recruit you for a financial agenda. My record proves beyond any doubt that I have always reached out with others who speak for the cause. I have spent over $70,000 on the Fort Hood Massacre event, brought in speakers and paid them uh, their due as required by our Lord. A servant is worthy of his hire. And I... Uh, I simply wanted to open avenue for you to speak at universities. I have done the same for many others. Now, your Shin Bet handler has stated I was a fraud, that he checked my uh, records and found nothing. How could he have done this in the last few days, especially when he is no longer a Shin Bet operative? Now I have to defend myself from his false accusations, which I must do to correct the record. For the first time in my life, you will see indeed that I am no fraud. I did attempt to contact you through a brother in the past. I have sent Zachariah Izzat, an Egyptian believer, and he had exchanges with you which reached nowhere. He was disappointed. In the end, I concluded you wanted nothing to do with us. My wife bought a video to view in which you were dressed in a cafe, the very symbol of the Palestinian cause. I ignored it. Then hours later, I thought to myself, perhaps I should pay attention. When I did, I was saddened when I saw statements that were clearly intended to show that you wanted a Palestinian state. Nothing about whether he was a Christian or not or had difference well, of opinion. In, in, the Palestinian in, state is the separating term, not whether you're a Shabbat's Christian or something else. Yeah, that's, that is the 
the, the two are one and the it's same. It's not whether you're Christian or another belief. It's whether you yeah. want that political position. He says, Musab, I am not Palestinian. I am not from Palestine. I am a Judean Arab and nothing more. I am not ashamed to say that I'm also a true Zionist. I am also keen to, the word missing, the Palestinian Christian ideology, which comes from the pit of hell. Okay, so the Palestinian Christian ideology, he says, comes from the pit of hell. For Bracken to compare the Zionism of God with the Zionism of man, the tanks and arm strength of Israel is Zionism of man, is a message from the pit of hell. So their strength Whoa. is in chariots, basically, is what he's saying. Yeah. If you if you doubt that Israel's strength is in chariots, then that message is from the pit of hell. Except that the Bible, the Word of God, says some trust in chariots, some in, in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that message in the Bible is from it's, the pit of hell. Um, I'm I'm. This is a fascinating. I'm just about thing. done. I just thought it, this this sort of tells us a lot where people are going. Such are not your friends. Such is the nature of the enemy that uses half truths. God said that He would bring Israel back to be a great nation. This Mosab also means that God planned for a strong Israel. Now I don't think Mosab has said there shouldn't be an Israel. I think He just said the Palestinians should have a place to live. I think. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I am a man who translates double speak by all who expresses an evil intent. I was the first to translate the works of Faisal Ab- Abdel Ruth and exposed him throughout the nation. I blog this claim here. I was the f- uh, I was the first to translate Rashid Hussein's intent to interfere with the nuclear issues since he now works under the President of the United States. For Golan to say that I have done nothing, sacrificed nothing, is slander to say the least. Palestinian Christianity is no Christianity whatsoever. It is a cult from the pit of hell, and I want uh, to so much get you out of it. I wonder what all the Palestinian Christians think about that. Uh, certainly, They're probably used to it, is my guess. Well, here's the conclusion. Certainly Shabbat's message is more likely to be... Now, this is this guy who's not a conservative Christian, sort of interpreting all this. He says, certainly Shabbat's message is more likely to be well-received than Yusef's. A uh, vicarious identification with a strong and uncompromising Israel is central to the self-identity of many conservative Christians in the USA. And Israel is regarded as the model to which the USA should inspire in its dealings with the Muslim world. This is one reason why Shabbat, who accuses Obama of being a secret Muslim working to advance terrorism, is welcome to speak at so many churches. Shabbat is. And at secular events such as the recent Homeland Security Conference in South Dakota. It's a secular government event. They had Shabbat as an expert in Unconditional support for the Israeli right is today far more central to the religion than anything in the now mostly forgotten Nicene Creed. Say that again? That's his closing comment, okay? Unconditional support for the Israeli right is today more central to the religion than anything in the now mostly forgotten Nicene Creed. Wow. So... um, let me ask you this. Hopefully you were able to follow the comments um, from uh, Mossab Yusuf and also Walid Shabbat. Which one of those two guys sounded more like Jesus to you? Well, I would have to say that um, uh, like how not Jesus Walid would. Shabbat. Okay. Walid Shabbat. I, I, I particularly, I'll tell you what, uh, I, will, I will skate around that question uh, uh, with just an answer and saying um, the Yusuf guy. But what I really liked was the... Uh, uh, Shin Bet agent saying, 
uh, what did he say? I, I can spot a fake. I've learned yeah. to spot a fake a mile away. Yeah. This was an Israeli officer guy. But you know, the the Christian the Christian right here right now knows a whole lot more about Zionism than those Israelis do. We know a whole lot more of the details of how Israel works because we've seen a speaker at our church. So we know that a whole lot more. Of course, I know people are out there probably saying, well, there, we could say the same thing about you, Doc, yeah. about Islam. Um, the difference is, is I've been to the Middle East. You have. And I've spent a good, a, a good bit of time in Israel. Yeah. You know, one thing that... Uh, that I always remember is is the guys that I worked with, which were IDF guys, talking about how much they and everybody else in Israel hated the religiously observant Jews mm-hmm. because they didn't believe the state of Israel was legitimate. Because according to the scriptures, only the Messiah could establish it. And I just thought, isn't that ironic? And I'm not, I'm not trying to say Israel shouldn't exist. That's not my point. The thing is, is that the Christian right has sided with the atheistic mm. Israelis against the religiously observant Israelis. And I never could quite understand that. But you don't hear that kind of story. No. I have nothing against Israeli people. I believe that the Lord will redeem a remnant of them. He will fulfill his word. I don't have any question with that. But I have a lot of questions with what Jesus has tasked in Scripture for us to do. With, with their political concerns. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything he's asked us to do. And you know, the big stink right now, and of course, I'm going to get hate mail for this, but the big stink right now is this speech about going to the 67 borders. I've heard some Christians recently say, well, they conquered that territory, and it is an ancient fact that when you conquer territory, you get to keep it. Which I was thinking, well, does that mean you have to give the Holy Land back to Babylon since they conquered it too? I mean, is that is that the rule of thinking? But um, I, I just don't see anything in Scripture that says we're supposed to be get, getting engaged to doing any of these kind of things because like everything else we do in the world, we just sort of muck it up. Yeah. I think what we're supposed to do really is actually, actually spread the gospel and make believers. Yeah. And, you know, even making a homeland for the children of Israel does not get them any closer to Jesus Christ. Until they accept Christ... Each one of them, none of them, unlike any of the rest of us, and I don't care what John Hagee says, none of them have any chance to enter the kingdom of heaven, and I want every Israeli and every Jew to enter the kingdom of heaven. I want every Muslim and every Arab to enter the kingdom sure. of heaven. And if I can't have that, then I want as many of them as possible. And it's only going to be the gospel that's going to do it, and it's not because having guns to one side or the other is going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm preaching to the choir with you and most of our listeners, but... There's still a lot of people going to have a lot of heartburn, you know. I'm very angry. But there's there's the big thing about the territory. And as I've told some people who have emailed me with complaints, if you're going to, if you're going to use the the Bible angle to argue about what our political position as a secular nation should be in this, mm-hmm. I have to admit, what does God say is a requirement for them to be in the land? The Bible, the, he makes very Obedience. clearly, one, they have to obey his law. They have to obey his law. They, their, their inheritance is there. Their inheritance is legitimate, but they cannot occupy the land until they obey the law. Mm-hmm. They also cannot have God vanquish their enemies or make their enemies disappear from their land unless they obey the law. Because when they deviated, if you go back and read it in your Old Testament people, mm-hmm. when they deviated from following God's law, God no longer drove the, the enemies from the land or had them give up the land. Like... For example, were the uh, Philistines. Because they, they would not obey God, 
God says, I'm not going to drive the Philistines from you all. And you know what? They're still there today. Now, you know, don't yell at me. Yell at God. God still loves them. God calls them a stiff-necked and obstinate people. Quite a few times, actually. Yeah, and there are times even when I am that way in the kingdom, and maybe even you, Brother Tom. Mm, Okay, God's got to deal with us all that way. But we don't have any, none of us have any divine sanction that we, when we live in disobedience to God, to expect we get some kind of special merits to have everything go our way in the world when we live in disobedience to God. And God made it very clear in this world, even the apple of his eye, Israel, is in the same boat. But Preach it. I believe, and I hate, to, I hate to say this, I don't say this with glee because people will lose their lives. I think most likely there will be a war, the one talked about in Isaiah 17, that will deal a terrible blow to Syria and the surrounding nations. But it says then the men in Israel, the few that are left, will start to turn their hearts toward their maker. And I'll look forward to that part. I mean, that's the good part I want to see in Israel. Mm-hmm. But the rest of this kind of stuff is being co-opted. Christians are being co-opted, gullible, ill-informed, very little information to go on. Preachers manipulating them, telling them partial information where they've been manipulated by somebody above them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in that camp until recently. Well, I was staunchly in it. Well, here's, a, here's an interesting. One of the things people always point to is the, is the phrase... Uh, and blessing, I will bless thee. Right. And you know, right. uh, that covenant is repeated um, in Genesis 17:2. But in 17:1, they lay down a clear condition. It says, "When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, and be blameless, that I might make that I, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and mm-hmm. may multiply you greatly." Uh, so you notice that the language there, verse two, is is drawn from the covenant of 12 and 15, the mm-hmm. circumcision covenant. Uh, but this time, mm-hmm. there's a condition. Uh, so you can't say that 12 or 17 is an mm-hmm. unconditional promise. Right. right. And I'm sure I'll get tons of hate mail about that, too. But Well, they'll send it to it. me. Yeah, well, I just deleted it. They'll so say, by the way, Doc, I hate you, and would you tell Tom I hate him, too? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, even the whole thing about blessing, you know, bless you and, and curse those that curse you, mm-hmm. The blessing itself, how do we as Christians bless anyone? The way we bless someone is give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not to give them a gun or a big pocket of money. Is that right? I mean, is that my crazy about that? I don't know. Sometimes I wonder myself. (laughs) What should the American evangelical church do to Israel? Should we A... Provide them political cover, make sure they get lots of money and guns, or B, should we make a full-level effort to get the gospel to them so that each person in Israel, as well as in the Arab lands and elsewhere, can enter the kingdom of heaven and have eternal life? I would go with weapons cachet, but... Is that how you think is the best way to bless? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I'm so negative tonight. I need to go walk around the block one time. Well, I know it's taking a long time. You you got anything else you want to read? I'll get into some... uh, if you um, want to lay something down, uh, otherwise I'll get into some emails. Okay. How are we doing on time? We're 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 Four getting hours. ready to go into overtime. Okay. But uh, we've we've got time for emails. But if you want to lay a story, do it. Okay. I just wanted to read this thing that I got from uh, from uh, MousePlanet.com. Very prestigious. It's a Walt Netflix. Disney World Resort update. Actually, they're really? talking about the soft the Star Wars uh, Star Tours uh, opens for sneak previews here. Yeah. 
Uh, and I'll just read. I'll, I'll skip down here. It's sort of a press release, but I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. The major infrastructure of the attraction is unchanged, though the decor and technology has all been updated. The queue path remains the same. The ride vehicles and exit pathways are as they were before. The speed, Star Speeder 3000 has gotten a new paint job and color scheme to turn it into the Star Speeder 1000. R2-D2 are, are both still there in the same location, though C3... C-3PO has replaced the leg as once again its original gold color. This is to bring the story back to an earlier era, and so everything needs to look newer. Uh, the second room of the queue is now a security check area, similar to a TSA checkpoint. The two G-series droids are still there, G-29T scanning luggage and G-24T scanning passengers. For those attraction junkies, you'll remember that the G-Series droids are so named because in the original Disneyland Park version of the ride, they were created by removing the skins of two of the goose animatronics from the soon-to-close America Sings attraction. Uh, While we won't tell you why, you'll enjoy paying a lot of of attention to what the scans of the luggage show inside. When it's your turn to go through the scanner, uh, a thermal body scan, uh, you may be verbally accosted by a security droid. Is this a big joke? No, this is from their press release. I mean, it is a big joke. They're not actually scanning for weapons, but they're making a joke on, they're making a goof on PSA. And, uh, who, who who is? Uh, Disneyland. Disneyland Disney is. World has set this whole thing up, and it's like, you know. That's it, pretty bold. It's become such an ingrained part of our culture already that there are now robots scanning your private persons at a ride to Disney World. And uh, they even have a security droid verbally accosting you. They're just trying to laugh it off. Like, ha, 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 ha. Not sure. That's pretty creepy. Yeah, I know. That's but that whole place at Disney's creepy. I know. Um, I tell you what, the more I, when I went there, you know, not all that long ago, a year or so ago, and I started collecting data, I realized that Walt Disney, and people are going to hate this too, was dun, almost like dun, sort of a dun. Joseph Goebbels of our country. <laughs> I mean, really, he had a I wondered he if had a view up. of Americana yeah. that he was he was propaganda minister for America, and when I went behind the scenes and they talked about how they they sort of mislead the public and and create this bizarre fantasy and bizarre stuff where they adjust where they look and their eyes mm-hmm. and the direction and selling something that's not there, I started realizing, it's like man, they've used his skill all along in our country. You know, at this time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when you look at Epcot, you know, he was building a one-world future global government site there. But when you find out who's going to run it, it was basically a single autocratic person, Disney, who ran an entire living community. Epcot was originally planned to be a living community, like an experimental Yeah, everybody living. was supposed to be there in a big bubble and everything and all but that. But he yeah. was the autocrat that ruled it. No one could own personal property. And, and the people who lived in Epcot could not only pre- – they would come and update it whenever they saw fit. Hmm. So they created this beautiful land, this, yeah. this beautiful odyssey. of, And they said, oh, people will admire new appliances when they suddenly show up and when they're upgraded and all this stuff. However, nobody had anything that was theirs. Sort of communism, if you think about it. Nobody kind of, had anything. Like they would just go in. More and, but it was a little more like fascism because they had several corporate sponsors who worked with the pseudo-government. And that's what he planned before he died to run it that way. Hmm. Would you like some 
Listener emails, baby. A little bit over time. Dun, 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 if dun, we have dun, any dun, listeners dun. past this point, they may have all. Both of them have turned. Sorry, <laughs> burning, off. burning stuff. Um, I'm still making up for some really old ones here, okay? So, so bear with me. This is from Dominique. Uh, Dominique says, uh, "Hello, I was listening to your show with Chris White, and Tom Bionic was commenting on what a great apologist White is. Uh, he said, and I, th- I don't know he's, if you said this or me actually, but." He said White is on the level of Billy Graham. He meant that as a compliment. Are you and Tom aware of what an apostate Graham is? He's been owned by the globalists since the 50s when Hearst began to bankroll him, which there is some evidence to support mm-hmm. that. Your guest, Kathy Burns, wrote an 800-page, very well-documented book exposing Graham. You should check it out, and I really hope you have the nerve to interview her again, and, and this time about Graham. Um, I had that book. And if I could ever get through that voluminous thing, I would like to do a show on it, by the way. Yeah. I wrote back and told her, I said, Sister Dominique, Brother Tom and I both know about Reverend Graham. I was just talking to Chris Pinto today about some issues I have with Graham. In fact, I have that book from Kathy Burns and plan to have her back this year. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. We'll show him with the information many people are not aware of. I think Tom was just comparing him in impact to the public persona of Graham. In other words, yeah, the overall effectiveness. All. Okay, well, here's some interesting things she said in response. You like, uh, uh, she said that she is reading Bush's memoirs called Decision Points and see what Billy Graham told the Bush clan. Okay, this is quoted out of page 31 of Billy Graham's notes. Mm-hmm. Okay, he says, uh, Mother and Dad had invited the great evangelical reader, preacher Billy Graham. Okay, so George Sr. invites, and this is George W. writing, and had Billy Graham over. Dad had asked him to answer some questions from the family after dinner. That was typical of Dad, always willing to share. It would have sent a signal of importance to have Billy to himself, but that was not George H.W. Bush. He is a generous and devoid of a big ego. So there we sat, about 30 of us, in a large room at the end of the house at Walker's Point. The first question from Dad was from Dad. He said, Billy... Some people say that you have to have a born-again experience to go to heaven. Mother, my grandmother, here is the most religious, kind person I know, and yet she has had no born-again experience. Will she go to heaven? Wow, pretty profound question from the old man. Let me put him on the spot here. No kidding. Since we all looked at Billy, in his quiet, strong voice, he replied, George, some of us require a born-again experience to understand God, and some of us are born Christians. It sounds like your mom was just born a Christian. I was captivated by Billy. He had a powerful presence, full of kindness and grace, and a keen mind. The next day, he asked me to go for a walk. I like tennis. Can you believe that? So it is. This woman's just born a Christian. Long walks on the beach. Now, didn't Jesus say something about you must be born again, or am I confusing that? Oh, only to some people. For the people who, who yeah. aren't born Christians. Yeah. So I thought that was a, a interesting insight from Dominique. Uh, Mm -hmm. this is from Bob okay Uh, Bob says uh, I think you'll find this sort of interesting Um, he says I've been listening for several months now gents he says I've been challenged in many of my assumed beliefs regarding Christendom terrorists and the role of America thanks for being faithful I came across Chris Lom today for the first time and immediately thought of future quake I hope he didn't think we were like Chris Lom just Mm -hmm. some association could be an interesting topic for a future show. Blessings, Bob. And here, here's uh, here's the article talking about the practice of Chrislam, okay? This week, 
the Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church in Houston, along with Christian communities in Atlanta, Seattle, and Detroit, will initiate a series of sermons that have been designed to produce an ecumenical reconciliation between Christianity and Islam. What? Yeah. In addition to the sermons, the Sunday school lessons will center on the inspired teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. Okay. This is in Sunday school. Qurans will be placed in the pews next to the Bibles. The concept of Chrislam, now embraced by such preachers as Rick Warren and Robert Schuller, appears to have emerged from a program on the meaning of Love Your Neighbor at Grace Fellowship Church in Atlanta, Georgia. In 2001, like most Americans, we were pretty awakened to the true Islamic presence in the world and the United States, said John Stallsmith, Outreach Minister of Grace Fellowship. Jesus says we should love our neighbors. We can't do that without having a relationship with them. Well, yeah, that part I agree with. It's not quite like teaching about Muhammad in Sunday school. I can't even take it anymore. Stallsmith Stallsmith maintains that a rapprochement between Muslims and Christians can be achieved by the fact that Jesus is mentioned 25 times in the Quran. The Chrislam movement has gained impotence by statements from President George W. Bush and that all Christians, Jews, and Muslims all worship the same God and by Rick Warren's reference to Isa, Muslim name for Jesus, in his prayer at the inauguration of President Barack Obama. Only 30% of Americans have a favorable view of Muslims, according to a Pew Forum poll. At the same time, more than half the country says they know not very much or nothing at all about the Islamic faith. Well, that's pretty true. Mm -hmm. The recent political developments and the fact that we're fighting two wars in Muslim countries should sharpen the need to know how to talk to these guys, Dahlsmith insists. We want to find peace, reconciliation, around a scriptural understanding of Jesus. Jesus in the Quran is neither the only begotten Son of God nor the Messiah who was divinely appointed to restore the house of David. He is rather viewed as a prophet who was appointed by Allah to prepare mankind for the coming of Muhammad. In the Quran, Jesus neither dies on the cross but is rather raised alive into heaven. Um, and it, it uh, goes on you know, about what they teach in the Quran. Um, so, here's my response to that, okay? Mm-hmm. There are some people out there who probably think we actually I supported that, but I say, Bob, thank you for your kind words about our show. Pray for us that we do not veer to the left or the right and better understand the positions of God's word on these difficult matters, although we'll never get away from seeing through a mirror darkly until we are glorified one day. This is me responding to it. Mm-hmm. If this article is quoting the actions of these churches correctly, then it is apparent that they have gone way too far in outreach and into wrong reach. That's my little new Wrong term. Reach. I want to make that catch on. Yeah, what Wrong about clawback? Clawback? Yeah. What's that? I don't know. Is that a kind it's of... When you just hog... reach out too far and you actually like claw something off and it's all messed up. We'll push it. We'll, we'll see what clawback, catches. Clawback, okay? As you know, I believe we should humbly establish relationships with Muslims around us one-on-one to be a real friend that respects them and even their desire to please God and does not exploit them for other agendas and to debunk what they've heard about real Christians and the gospel. While we'll be debunked of what we've heard from our fellow Christian alarmists as well, and to serve as a bridge for them to see the real Jesus, as opposed to the faulty church they hear about from ages past until today, and the pure gospel message, so that those who truly seek will find him, as he is identified in our scriptures. Missionaries and those who outreach to Muslims report that individual Muslims want to talk to Christians about Jesus and the Bible. They have questions to ask, and many of them are seeking. 
Heaven help us if we fail them in their search. As you know, our Christian leadership in America has been largely been beating the drums of Muslim hate and fear and seeking more war with them, although while spreading fear, they will never come out and say directly what we should do about Muslims in America. Jail them, persecute them, kill them. Now on the other side, we have pastors who are putting Korans in churches and teaching it in Sunday school as if the message difference and the source of inspiration doesn't matter. I anticipate that those latter efforts will leave Muslims as lost without Christ as with the former. Not only will it not faithfully tell them about their need to accept the Lordship of Christ overall, or the need to claim the atoning power of Christ's blood shed on the cross, and it will even breed contempt from Muslims who don't think we're even serious about what we believe. For that reason, I suspect that both of these efforts are originating from the adversary, who wants us to go right or left, rather than the direct path of leading one lovingly to the cross. We need to be more vocal in telling our fellow believers to engage individual Muslims one-on-one with the pure good news out of love and not continue to be a stumbling block to them in one way or the other. God will hold us accountable if we don't. Bob, I will monitor this development over time, and it it may turn into a show. Hmm. And uh, do you think I answered that appropriately? Perfect. You think it's reasonable? Very good. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that is the other extreme that is sure. as no, dangerous it's, it's as killing nutty. all of them. Yeah, totally wacko. It's going to lead other people creating God's image, who are Muslims currently, to hell. Mm-hmm. Either killing all of them or teaching them something apart from the gospel. You're, hmm. you're doing a terrible disservice to them either way. Hmm. Okay. This is from Brother Randall. Okay. Brother Randall says, uh, Brother Mike, you, hello, you're so informed. And now a good many people are as well. Thank you so much for Show 250's information regarding the Knights of Malta. Believe it, we have lots more to say about that. <laughs> this, subject, the ice, the tip of the this subject is one of the things that whenever I try to inform people, they think I'm a lunatic. Well, I, the club, I would say if you tell people you listen to Future Quake, they'll think you're a lunatic anyway. So. Yep. I haven't figured out yet what they th- uh, if they think that because they have no clue who the Knights of Malta are or because they do believe in the doctrine due to their pastors preaching this in the pulpits. Thank God for Tom and yourself, and this show needs to be broadcast from all the mountaintops. I was not aware of Lieutenant General William Boykin, and he will certainly be someone I will keep an eye on. Believe me, you should. He, mm-hmm. and, he and Rick Joyner are the two guys you need to most closely keep an eye on. Uh, as I said before in one of the previous emails... He says, I believe it is all the esoteric Catholic entities that are winding down the clock for the end-of-day scenario. I actually have two early 20th century, 33rd degree, Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, I think is the book, uh, both of which explain that the book is to be returned upon the death of the Mason. If you want, I would gladly donate one to you and Tom. Man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it, to get one of those? Yeah. I must warn you, though, it will not be well received among Masons. I read to my dad everything that Pike had written regarding Lucifer and the great architect as being one and the same. I read him everything regarding Isis and Horus. I asked him to please renounce the Masonic order. He is a 32nd degree Mason as well as a Shriner, and he still has to this day to renounce. Mm. Now, I'm afraid that I have sent him to hell because I made him aware of what he's involved in, and yet he won't renounce. Had I never said anything, he may not be held accountable. Well, I don't know if that's true. I don't think you do a disservice to Enlighten yeah. people. God knows our hearts, and He knows whether we would change them or not with whatever information. He will judge based on that. 
He says, I wrestle with that every day. I'd like to ask maybe you and Tom could also pray for my dad to be released from this. Mm-hmm. Every one of the entities that were mentioned in this show are players in the building up of end-time scenario. CIA, DEA, Catholicism, and all its many tentacles, Knights of Malta, which is like you said, is overt. Do not, don't you find it frightening that these groups are now putting their plans out there in the public? And I think so. I think they're, they're putting it in our face, which I think they're trying to wrap things up. Can I pray for his father? Please. Please um, do. And I will pray for other folks who have loved ones mm-hmm. who are in this or similar groups. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, I pray for Brother Randall's father, Lord, um, who does not see uh, the anti-biblical, anti-Christian teachings in this group. Uh, he has been purposely misled. At his high level, I don't know what he has been privy to internally, Lord, what he has been shown. Uh, whether he has the, the spiritual enlightenment to put two and two together to see some of these kind of things or not. I do know these deceptions are well uh, designed to keep people clouded, and they say they purposely deceive people at the lowest levels to keep from the insider group. They say this in their own literature, Lord. So we have a group of people who are truly deceived, and not only Freemasonry, but we have other groups like this, Lord, the people who have been brought in, and they've been taught that it's not consistent, inconsistent with their Christianity, that it's not a problem. And, Lord, I pray for a supernatural inspiration for Brother Randall's dad and for everybody's relatives out there, the people who are listening right now that are praying with us, that any of their relatives or friends that are in embrace of these kind of secret societies like Freemasonry or other groups, that somehow the Holy Spirit could show them what's really going on, and that somehow the message from the brave people who've put forth the true story about their teachings, that they would see it and be willing to accept it for what it is, Lord, and that you would liberate them from this grip. Lord, I pray that you would expose these evil groups for what they are, and that you would hear this prayer that we're giving out and deliver our loved ones uh, from the script, and in it we give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Brother Rand, I want you to keep us posted on what you find out on that, and that goes for any of our other listeners too, mm-hmm. who are going through this. Can I do a few more? Do you mind? Please. Just don't mind if we go a no. little extra here. Let's roll. Um, Let the future quake roll on. Let the future quake roll on. Never heard that song. That no. sounds sort of interesting. Yeah, I know. That'd be sort of like a good seventh inning stretch song we could yeah. do. You know, when people have to get up and yawn and go get something from the fridge. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, Sister Deborah says something about our, uh, our. This is like end of February broadcast. She says, "Hi guys. All I can say is, oh boy, I have heard about Knights of Malta and Rick's involvement, but now I see the whole picture. The quote force has definitely invaded the church or body of Christ." Really, actually, since the time of Constantine. That's true. And is not the force from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Albert Pike's Third World War is coming right on schedule. And that's the one where he said the Christians and the Muslims would fight each other. Yeah. And, the, and he said it was set up by the globalists to get in a global Maybe we system. should get that book and just read passages out of it and put it out in the public record. Well, that was from the Mazzini letter, whereas, mm-hmm. now, which we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um the politics of religion conference will be interesting. Uh, she hoped to see us there. I uh, pray that the Holy Spirit would have his way in the meetings, which I believe he did. Yeah. Um, and in my response uh, uh, to her, I says, uh, um, oh, she says, uh, you have a great show, and both of you are so easy to listen to, I can't imagine why you'd get any negative emails. Well, you should read them. <laughs> 
breaks my little heart. Yeah. It seems it really does bother me. It seems that no one is immune from being deceived these days, so we have to stay close to Jesus and make sure he is Lord of our lives. There was a powerful lineup of speakers for the conference, and it would be neat to see how the Holy Spirit guides the meeting. An upper room Acts 2 experience would be great. Well, we know the Holy Spirit moved because people were brought to Christ people from that meeting. Saved. Yeah. Um, this is from Sherry, who's a regular listener of our show, sends a lot of information to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she says, uh, sort of responding to some of the shows we've had, uh, particularly some of the stuff I was talking about, the Christian leaders trying to get the war through Islam. She says, this is a, uh, um, she says, the following is a very insightful quote with regard to what is happening in the world today. It helps us to understand more clearly through the fog of misinformation. The quote is by Constance Cumbie, you know, who's been on our show. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the first original. I really like that show. of the New yeah. Age, yeah. Uh, I'd like to get her back on the show, too. Uh, who has been studying the New Age movement and the formation of one world government for many decades. Amazing how one sentence can bring such clarity. This is a quote supposedly from Constance Cumbie, okay? See if this sounds familiar to you. I have long warned that the operative New Age strategy is to infiltrate the monotheistic religions and then pit each against the other for their weakening and dissipation. Then they, the New Agers, will be to rise to the ashes. That is sort of what my opinion is. Yeah. And that's what I think is going on. We have operatives in each of these religions that are forming extreme things so they can break us down. There's some people in the UN who have admitted as such they want to get rid of all the fundamentalists. That's not to say that, um, you know, extremist Islam people are right with God any more than Orthodox Jews are. Mm-hmm. Okay? But we're Christians for a reason. I mean, we believe what truth is. But they are being manipulated because mm-hmm. it all is in the way of the New Age system. So, um, I'll just do a couple more and then we'll call it a day if that's okay. Okay. I'll wrap her up. Um, this is Brother Paul. Brother Paul says, I just want to thank you for the spirit-filled time of prayer. It amazed me that I could have such a heartfelt fellowship with so many believers across the world right now in my own home. I think this is from the NRB oh, thing, cool. okay? Yeah. He says, "I." Uh, he says, "This that when we had our our simulcast prayer mm-hmm. around the world through the uh, Tim and Mike show." Mm-hmm. He says, "I know that our prayers to God will not come back void. Your last show was chilling regarding what, in one day's research, you could come up with on the Knights of Malta. What shook me were the quotes by men who profess to be representatives of the body of Christ. Thank, thanks to you and Tom." that through your shedding of light on so much darkness, you all chose to look up for your redemption rather than promote a spirit of fear. I also love how you all can make me laugh in the face of such darkness. God bless Paul. You know, if we have the spirit of Jesus, we see darkness realistically for what it is, but we can laugh ultimately because we know it's demise, it's certain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And by the way, he said, feel free to read this or any other ravings of mine. So oh, sweet. thank you for your ravings, the blanket, Brother Paul. Blanket binding on ravings. I will uh, I'll close Brother up here. Brother Paul the raver. Do, 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 do. Oh, man, this is old. Wow. I tell you what, if you'll give me the grace to do two of them to wrap okay. up, and then we'll call it a day. Mm-hmm. We're giving people makeup time from being gone last week. Okay. Um, Bob... Uh, Bob says, uh, I just got finished listening to the Intercessory Prayer Podcast on Revelations Radio Network. I couldn't listen live as I was working, but listening to the prayer was awesome. You did a great job and hit on all the things that you and Tom speak about weekly on Future Quake. As the current uh, in vogue saying goes, 
Well played, Dr. Future. Well played. I uh, hope I did that voice well. Mm-hmm. I, I add my support to your prayers, and I hope that the Lord found it pleasing that he will mildly move to answer each and every point of your request. Take care and God bless. Well, Heavenly Father, we ask that mm-hmm. that will happen, and then we'll see that. Um, and he says, uh, I'll take a look at the Future Quake site and read through the prayer in the next couple of days. Um, so the closing one I'm going to do here, because I just saw it had a fancy script on it, so it's hard to avoid something that has a fancy script. Um, this is from uh, Brother uh, Tim. Brother Tim. Mm-hmm. Tim says, Dr. Future, look how fancy that script is on an email. That's a pretty fancy script. Dr. Future, I just listened to your 225 broadcast. I passed some of this information on to our mutual friend, Russ Dizdar, in the past concerning Dominionist. Joiner, you'll find this interesting here, okay? Joiner, Rick Joiner, said that he owned his own airline. On tape, he said this, and used to fly Delta Force around personally until he was called into full-time ministry. Joyner highly recommended Tom Clancy in General Carl Steiner's uh, book, Shadow Warriors, on Inside the Special Forces as the new handbook for doing foreign Christian missions in his television show. Wait, say that again? Joyner highly recommended Tom Clancy in General Carl Steiner's book, Shadow Warriors, on Inside the Special Forces as the new handbook for doing foreign Christian missions. Okay, he says the Knights of Malta supplied the passports for the escaping Nazis in Europe using the Ratlines. That's true. Um, it says recently released information on the Freedom of Information Act shows that General Reinhard Galen was the real father of the CIA, who was also a Knight of Malta. Um, and he recommends John Loftus' book, Nazis America. He says, I have seen dominionism destroy church, ministries, marriages, and families. It's making inroads in many areas and needs to be opposed. Keep speaking the truth. Blessings in Christ, Tim. Hmm. Okay, and when, I, when uh, he responded back to me again, he says, yeah, Doc, go ahead and share it with all. It needs to be exposed. He says, I'm waiting to hear, this is what he's expecting, that Joyner has knighted Todd Bitley. Okay, I already said he's one of his handlers. Talk to Russ Dizdar and ask him why he believes Bitley is a multiple and his attempts to contact the right people to prove it. Personally, I believe Joyner could be Bitley's current handler. Interesting thought. If you dig into Joyner's background, and we've got ho- small, we've got small, we've got smart listeners. I know we do. They're futurians. Yeah. If you dig into Joyner's background, it's hard to learn anything unless he talks about it himself. That's interesting. It's hard to get another date on him. Yeah, I would not be surprised if he is a quote company or CIA man. And there's an old saying: once a company man, always a company man. Mm-hmm. I have some quotes from him, by the way, about his whole thing with his Knight of Malta thing that are pretty chilling, that I haven't exposed yet, okay? Okay. He says uh, he had a government contract to fly Delta Force around and was on his way to become very rich, a billionaire, when he was called in the ministry. You don't just get those kind of contracts in a normal government bidding process. That's no, true. that's not an everyday kind of, yeah. you know. Eric Haney, who's a guy who I've seen on, you know, like Fox News before, former command uh, major of the U.S. Army, and... Uh, one of the founders of Delta Force, wrote Inside Delta Force, on which the television show The Unit was based. Haney wrote a number of TV episodes in which, amongst other things, he showed the U.S. military operating illegally within the borders of the United States in strict violation of Posse Comitatus Act and inferred that the United States is really controlled by a handful of families. 
I wonder if Joyner had personally flown Delta Force on some of their missions in the U.S. Hmm. The government denied Delta Force even existed for years. Why Joyner even talked about his background in this area raises questions. Keep speaking the truth, brother. Blessings in Christ, Tim. Wow. The story's going to get more and more interesting. And I know we're late, so why don't we ask Merv to come in and tell our listeners how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the shows, topics, or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. You got anything you want to lay on us? No, man. You you pretty much rocked the show tonight, man. Yeah. It's just like a big our listeners did. A chainsaw of information. Chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, couldn't get started. Sort of like the pressure washer we just got. Can't, can't quite get it to keep running, you know? Yeah, well, hopefully you didn't run ethanol through it. I did that with my chainsaw. Don't recommend that. Yeah, no, the ethanol and the two-cycle uh, yeah. oil doesn't mix, and it destroys the seals. Well, you know, the Bible says you're not supposed to mix, like, two kinds of cloth material, you know, into a garment or, uh-huh. new, like, new wine into old wineskins and stuff. So mm-hmm. maybe that same principle Could applies, be. you know? Yeah. Any last things you want to share with our listeners? Um... Somebody wanted to donate a transmission. I'd be much obliged. To the Bionic Mobile? Yeah. Okay. No, I don't know. It's the transmission. You need Oscar Goldman to come. Yeah. We can rebuild him. We have the technology. <laughs> uh, serious. Uh, want me to pray for your vehicle here? Oh, God. Can I do it? All right, fine. Heavenly Father, I pray for Brother Tom's uh, vehicle. Uh, he's doing a lot of ministry work and a lot of things that need to be done, and he's been under a lot of duress and things like this. Lord, I pray for for him and for all of our listeners who are having some similar issues going on. I pray that you would take care of it. It wouldn't be a distraction mm-hmm. from the important work we've got to do. Thank you so much, Lord, that we can come to you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know you didn't plan that, but I did it anyway. Well, so. I appreciate it. I mean, any any prayer, you know what I mean? Well, we gave him a little extra this week because next week we have um, our monthly interview. Mm-hmm. It's coming up, and when we recorded earlier, and it's very different. It'll cleanse the palate from what we've been talking about. I uh, hope you enjoy that, and then we'll be back to our regular gig the week after that. So that's it from here, unless you got a final word. Philippians one twenty nine. Oh, no. It's not hitting me. It's okay. I'll let Look our, it up. I'll let our listeners like that one. I'll up. do it the same. I'm embarrassed I didn't know it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, hope you got, uh, hope you enjoyed the extra time here. We're going to go uh, until next week. We hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.